All right, what's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ Podcast, uh, the Road Podcast. Um, your host DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never. Yeah, what up? We got DJ D Miles. Afternoon. We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And we got a special guest. Uh, you know, Bredrin, one of my good friends from Pittsburgh, who's in Portland right now. Great DJ, great guy, and he's working on a bunch of projects. Really interesting projects about. Um, all this DJ shit that we talk about, my man <laughs> DJ Zimmy. What's up? God, that was like the nicest intro ever. Can I get a recording of that for later? That's my, that's my drop right there. That's my DJ drop. What's good, fam? Just uh, out here in Vegas, avoiding the sun. Nice. Yeah. Staying. What, what, are you, what are you doing out here? Um, tonight. So every month, my homegirl DJ Cricket has a party called uh, Cricket's Playhouse, which is like a music fashion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Downtown. Yeah, I've been seeing it all over my Instagram feed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's agenda this week. So mm-hmm. uh, we're doing a Pharrell party. It's I, I don't want to say tribute because like Pharrell didn't die or anything, but it's basically like a celebration of his the musical influence right, and like right. the fashion influence. So BBC mm-hmm. is involved uh-huh. in that. We gave us some pieces. So tonight, me and DJEs and a couple of the people are doing like all all Pharrell joints. Um, and all the songs he produced and all that stuff, Neptunes, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got like BBC pieces and different, you know, ice cream and all the different fashion pieces on display. And nice, yeah, yeah. Dope. Oh. should be dope. Yeah, yeah her party. She, how long has she been doing that party right now? We, I think we, we actually we got to get her on this. Uh, I know, I'm podcast. saying that. Yeah, yeah she's definitely. had that party for at least a couple of years. It's yeah. like two yeah. plus years yeah. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know her too well, but I remember when she was coming up. I remember that spot, Insert Coins. Yeah, yeah. And, and she always used to come by new to shop. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. And but uh, I've always heard really good things about her as a DJ and stuff. Yeah, she's like she's yeah. Re- she's real funky. She she's originally a B girl from San Fran, so she's just got a real good style. And that's how I met her at Insert Coin. So shout out to that whole crew. Oh wow, wow. nice, damn. Okay, so um, you're doing that party tonight? Doing that party tonight, and then I'm out tomorrow, man. Shit, mm-hmm. I haven't seen. I literally haven't seen you in years. <sighs> I'm usually moving. Pr- like if I'm in town, it's usually like I'm here real quick, and I'm you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have an agenda. So we we used to. I mean, I I know you from Pittsburgh when I would do S Bar with you and Nugget, and you and Nugget were basically like I don't know the Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to call you guys. You know, <laughs> he, Nugget. You guys are like the stretch of my beetle of Pittsburgh at the time. He summed it up good on the on his last podcast yeah. here when he said it was like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins. Like that uh-huh. was yeah. That was a good time, though. Yeah, you're so like Nugget is like I don't know five ni- five eight five nine F- five six I think five six <laughs> and, and I'm s- and you're six six seven, seven yeah yeah so it's it's interesting yeah. seeing you guys standing next to each other. I've definitely he and I live together and I hey. definitely carried him home hey, drunk yo. <laughs> okay. like yo can you carry Nugget out here like, yeah <laughs> so. <laughs> Damn shit, man! But I remember, like, yo, you guys always have some of the best fucking sets that I when I come to Pittsburgh, man. It Thank was, you. It was really dope, and you guys were always like the nicest fucking guys. Like, I, I don't even think I would be that nice. I would never be that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm like, I would never be that hospitable and shit. You know what I mean? I mean, look, we we always viewed kind of Pittsburgh as more of a small town. So when yeah. when people from Vegas or L.A. or New York were coming in. We were really excited, like, because we were going to get to hear music that we knew that you guys were like a step ahead in the clubs. Like, what you were playing was about to be cool in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So we were always like pumped for that. And you guys always had good stories, and you guys were always really nice. And re- I mean, you guys were always really cool. We didn't really book anyone that was an that asshole. Was a, that was an asshole. Yeah. So once we had 
a DJ come in one time that was cool and they were a good DJ, like we were just pumped to hang out. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because we got a whole glimpse into this other. And I remember you specifically, whenever we got kind of the green light to book anybody, we had been coming to see you at Jet. In Vegas. In yeah. Vegas. And so it was like as soon as our man was like, yo, you guys want to start booking some DJs? Like we made a short list. But I remember because it was funny because like at that when we started to come see you, we had like no clout. So we were like getting broke. Like we would come. Funny story. Like we came to Jet and we didn't know what time shit popped off. So it was like 930. And we're outside. When we're doors outside, open. We're outside and we can hear music and there's no line. And we're like. Yo, what's going on in there? And the door guy's like, yo, man, it's fucking crazy in there right now. You guys need to get in? And I'm like, oh, shit. He's like, yeah, you should get in before there's a line. Like, we'll take care of you, whatever. So I'm like, all right, man, let's go. So, like, we <laughs> paid like $30 or something each and went in, and there's, like, six people in there. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, we can't fucking leave because we're not going to get back <laughs> yeah, in. We just right. <laughs> so we were there for, like, eight hours or whatever. But it was all, you know, it was, all, it was, it was interesting because that was, like, the beginning of kind of open format stuff, really. So just hearing the sets and being like, oh, you Jesus. And, and that was the time when we had no opener. So you would literally hear oh, me from beginning to end. Yeah, and that was like, oh, you can play that in the set. I never thought of playing that. But, dude, mm-hmm. I played some weird shit in my opener <laughs> but, we, but we went, But we went home, and we went home, and we would, it totally changed Really? Or opening sets, like, oh, dude, I was playing B-sides and different stuff. And I'm like, no, no, we heard this in Vegas. And you just you thought about mixing differently. Like, yeah. a, a lot of stuff like that was – everything is very figured out nowadays. And it was like we were learning then. So that was one way that we were like – we were just going to hear D- any DJ we could, like, in other cities. So mm. that I was kind that. of a roundabout answer. You know, you, you know when you get, like, really comfortable in a room? Yeah. It could be a huge, big room that holds, like, fucking 2,000 people, 2,500 people. But if yeah. you get comfortable in that room and you've done it for so long – when you start DJing and you're doing like an opening set or you're doing like whatever, you just get so comfortable. You might just play something that shouldn't even be played in there. Yeah. <laughs> Curveballs. But yeah. that's. But and, that, and it works. Yeah. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. But sometimes yeah, you just need to play something yeah. new because you're just so sick of your. Just to like the same spark, shit. Spark yeah. the like level of energy in your Dude, own brain. Mm-hmm. I was so sick of my. Because I would DJ a jet like twice a week. Uh-huh. And I, I would feel like the staff was sick of me. <laughs> so I would have to play weird shit but then it was just like I remember one time I played TLC Baby 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 yeah and then I went into like R. Kelly <laughs> uh, you know uh, Your Body mm-hmm. and then I think they, the the bartenders started making fun of me and they went on the bar they stood on the bar <laughs> and started making out and I was like fuck I was like it's that, and pe- people don't talk about that enough too like like Vice had an article, Vice magazine had an article about why dating a DJ is the worst, and one of the big parts was you're so sick of their set because the bar staff hears you're working out ideas and yeah. you find out what works really well, mm-hmm. and especially in Vegas when Becky that's coming to the club Friday mm-hmm. is, is going to come to the club nine months later. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't know that you did the same routine last week, but the bar mm-hmm. staff's like, here it comes, and then he's going to like do the this. whole staff. They Yo, know what's yeah. up, the, the whole, yeah. and it's. And you got to get done with your set and go to the bar and get a drink. And they're just looking at you like, really? And you're like, <laughs> you saw everyone go nuts. Like, you know, you know, this shit works. Right. Just it, chill. This is, the, this is the funny thing. And never me and never know about this really well is that they don't really appreciate you till you're gone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Man. So when you're gone, like, let's say like you go like, I don't know. They you, so maybe the club gets rid of you or something happens and they book some other dude. 
and then they see you like a month or two later and they're like oh my god we miss <laughs> you we so miss much you. <laughs> <laughs> we wish he was like, there again he wasn't wishing that when i was there but yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah when their money starts going down or like when the bars mm-hmm. when it's not popping as much then they then realize yeah. what's up and then they're like oh shit like Oh, you get spoiled, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. the and staff just, gets spoiled. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, I'm sorry, you're gonna say something. No, I say you said going into a club at nine, nine thirty. <sighs> like that doesn't happen anymore. Like clubs, like it's just like it's like slowly getting pushed back. Oh, with social media mm-hmm. too. Like, yeah. like, like you used to go into a club and you'd probably lie and be like, "Yo, it was crazy in there," because you didn't want to look like a schmuck. Mm-hmm. But now <laughs> I can go in the club at whatever time and post a picture of what's going on in there and it's like everyone knows quiet, yeah. quiet. Yeah. so there's Damn, no you, you're trying to put people on blast <laughs> <laughs> you don't care Zam, yes. huh? I'm just I'm just saying like it used to be like if your club was slow early there was nothing to do about it but now I, if I walk in your spot and post a picture but there's like there's flame, like <laughs> flamed you there's some like a like if it's not packed you know you like take a picture of like you and your boys drinking or like yeah. toasting and shit. Yeah. No, you could make it look busy. You get yeah. you get good at that photo where you're like everyone get together in the corner so that you can't see anything else. Yeah, and yeah. It was like crazy right now. I was just talking to like I was just talking to Darren. I'm not gonna say what spot, but he told me he was hanging out. And I was like, damn, on Instagram, it looked like it was busy. It was popping. <laughs> He's like, nah, it was slow in there, man. <laughs> but it, it was, made it, whoever was posting like, Instagram um, stories made it look like it was yeah, so busy and popping. Pos- like, posturing is a real is a real thing. Even Not even for, like, I got a brand that I'm trying to push. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to look like you did some whack shit on Friday night. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Like, yo how was that? It looked crazy. Nah, it sucked, man. But, I, you know, me, I can't post that I went to a sucky party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even still, like you ever see those those some of those DJs that like they film themselves doing the set, and then when the bass starts hitting, they start shaking the camera a little yeah. bit. I'm like, damn, like y'all really doing that <laughs> shit? Yeah, <laughs> y'all make, like 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 the bass is earthquakes and shit. Like it's shaking <laughs> the whole room. A fucking DJ just shaking effects. I really am jealous of those DJs that can do those selfies where they're like those bird's eye view selfies. Yeah. I wish I could do that. Where they like kind of they're like. I don't know. They look, they're look. they looking at the camera like they're going to fuck the camera. And then they're just like the crowds behind and they're wilding out. And then they're like, yeah, <laughs> I like those. <laughs> I like those joints, man. I like those joints. I'm like, damn, man, I wish I could do that shit. There was a DJ who remained nameless who came to do a party in Portland. And it was a good party, but it was a small room. It was like a 400-person room, right? Mm-hmm. The next, he stayed for like a few nights. And the next night he went and saw um, like Dead Mouse or somebody at this big like 1200 person theater mm-hmm. and he did a little like social media recap video and cut some of the crowds together and i was like no oh. <laughs> no i mean it made our party look good but i was like you ain't shit that's <laughs> damn. damn that's that I'm shit not- where you like you're doing like the side room or the hip hip hop room or you're doing another room <laughs> i've seen that before and I'm, then you yeah. take a picture of like you, there's <laughs> the a picture of you room. with the turntables but then you do the and then there's another picture of the crowd yeah <laughs> it was a movie out there guys we know who you are nah man i mean yo it's all marketing the shit is all like what it is man yeah i mean fuck i'm glad remember that remember those days when they were everyone was doing a like a dj video yeah, mm-hmm. like a little highlight reel. Like, yeah. like yeah. Ross one was maybe the one best. of the first the, one, right? The best. The best one. I was gonna say that the Ross yeah. one, and then I think the Fashion keep, had one. The Keep It Moving one was. The best. Uh, yeah, Keep It Moving. I think Scam had a pretty good one. The Vegas, the, uh, the Vegas lineup yeah. one. The Takeover. Yeah, it was dude. Like the I used Oceans, to watch that shit religiously. Like the uh, Ocean's yeah. Eleven thing. Yeah, yeah, the Ocean's yeah. Eleven that shit thing. was dope. And then after that, oh my god, it was a free for all. Everyone had like their the WMC one. Yeah, that shit was a lot. you never, you know, you had that experience where like, dude came with the video camera set up. To 
to one of the clubs and he couldn't get in with his cameras. Yeah, uh, yeah he was that, trying to hang out. Recently, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say <laughs> who, but yeah. <laughs> he tried to come in there with like the the rig, the whole rig with the what do you call the shit? The with red the camera. Rig, yeah, yeah, steady like, cam. The steady cam. But they wouldn't let him yeah. in with all that equipment. Yeah, the dude with like a mic boom and shit, man. He's like, I would yeah. never. I know never. And I'm just like, you never know me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They almost they they almost kicked him out, right? Well, he couldn't get in. Oh. He never. He wasn't able to get in. But kick him out like, of the premises or. <laughs> No, 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 just uh, like, well, he wasn't in, he didn't get into the spot, but. But he yeah. was whiling like he owned the shit. Right? Yeah, he was like, I'm going to call this person, I'm going to call that person. It was like, <laughs> you it was don't like, know nah, who I am. There's <laughs> always the, you don't know who I am. Yeah. Oh, and then you look like the crazy one from Vietnam. Yeah, it's like, yo, why are you dealing with this dude in Never? <laughs> Damn it, Never, we're going to write you like up. that, man. Hey, get your friends in order, Never. <laughs> so, uh, with, with you and Nugget in Pittsburgh, right, I did always notice that. Not that you didn't fit into Pittsburgh. You can't. You can't see on the video right now, but Crooked's like making some funny faces. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't know what's coming. He's being so sneaky. You, when you like, when I would go to Pittsburgh, I would hang with you, like hang with y'all, and I and I would actually you would you would be like the most you you know you'd be driving me around and shit and like taking me spots and and going shopping and stuff at the spots out there, and I remember I just thought like you weren't exactly, I don't know like you, you didn't. F- I don't know, like feel comfortable in that you city. Me, me specifically? Yeah. Yeah. A I bit. mean, I always I, look. I like. There's a lot of things I like about Pittsburgh, but there's a. But, but when you don't like something, it depends on how prevalent it is. So for me, I'm not a sports guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I've DJed literally like Steelers AFC championship parties and being like, I don't know who any fucking people are. Right. Yeah. Um. But it, but sports in Pittsburgh isn't something that's passive. It's not on the side. Like oh, it's, it's religious. You know, it's fucking. Yeah. If someone starts talking to you about the Steelers and you go, I don't watch the Steelers, you might get into a physical altercation. <laughs> really? Wow. Who are the Pirates? Yo, Just fam. <laughs> So so we've got Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, and they're in the spot. You know, they're in, yeah. if you're playing at the cool spot, they're in there every weekend mm-hmm. in the off-season, bottle service, whatever. So yeah. you got that. And it's, you know, people party in Pittsburgh, but it's not like a pace yourself. It's like a binge drinking thing. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the parties would end up being just like, yo, you got dollar middle lights? Cool, give me 17 of them. <laughs> so there was shit. And, and especially now that I've – I don't know how it is in Vegas, but I've moved to the West Coast and I've been there for, like, almost eight years – Every time I go back, I think I've mellowed out a little bit, and you notice how like aggro people are. So when I go home mm. to Pittsburgh, and I think it's just the East Coast, you're like, "What? You got everyone just about ready to fight? Like it's always feels like." So for me, I always I liked Pittsburgh, but once I started traveling and seeing how things ran in other cities, and cities were more progressive in certain mm-hmm. ways, Pittsburgh still have, has a lot of um, quality. Um, things about it, things I like. You know, it's a unique city, yeah. And and also like there's a certain level of like blue collar struggle and i really feel like you need that to like mm-hmm. generate art like you really need that whole thing right but for me it's just what you got to do like i just really I, when the first time i went to portland i was like yo this is amazing like it's green and everyone like i'm like yo, we're like super healthy on some like whatever and like the food and the music was dope and it was just you know like i said it's if you if there's someone that living in alaska right now because they went they're like yo this is my shit that was like Portland for me. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. wasn't my shit. And P- Pittsburgh was very good to me. Like, I made a good career there, and I still have a lot of friends there, and I go back. But, you mm-hmm. know, just. You made your name out there. I, mean, I did. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because I have friends that, uh, that work at Nike at Portland. Yeah. And they're like, yo, the weather sucks here. Right right now, it's mad weird. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> First, it was mad rainy, and then global warming is, like, totally hooking us up. Like, 
uh, it hasn't rained in like three months, but everything's just dead. Like my yard looks like a Brillo pad. So <laughs> it's just super weird. But any, it's definitely a different. Is it hot out there or is it like. Humid, right? It's been like 90, right? No, it's not that humid, but it's been like in the 90s. So it just depends on where you came from. Like if you like a certain kind of weather, like when I come back to the East Coast, the humidity and the mm-hmm. and the winter, especially mm-hmm. like I get go there in December, yeah, just murders me. Like I can't, I cannot deal with that shit anymore. Negative twenty, you know, yeah. you're from New York, like black yeah, yeah. ice. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like yo, so yeah, man. So you've been yeah. in Portland uh, for how long now? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah, almost eight years. I mean, fuck, didn't you move somewhere else too? I had moved. I moved around a little bit. I've lived in New York a little bit, Philly a little bit, and and OC a little bit. Uh, uh, Cali. Yeah. You look like yeah. an OC dude. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I guess <laughs> the I don't know. fit, the vans with the with the dickies <laughs> and stuff like that. That's yeah, I, I remember going to Pittsburgh and talking to him. He's just like, man, I don't get the sports shit. Everyone's sports, and it's like, it's, yeah. it was really around there. But I like the blue collar element. I love how like everyone's like, you know, like we, a, like in like just just working nine to five, and you yeah. can have a beer. They're just like regular dudes. We, like I like. We that. brought a DJ out. I don't remember who it was, but I remember hearing him on the phone, and it was during Steeler season. I remember hearing him on the phone, and he was like, <laughs> "the bu- the bus driver just stopped, and the bus driver had a Steelers jersey on, and the cop had a terrible towel. Like it's everywhere. Like no, you, it's a fucking wow. re- it's a religion. And, and, out there. and it affects nightlife too because it, we'd throw a Sunday party." And if the Steelers lost, we're dead. We're not making any money. No one's people are like out. depressed, Everybody's like so yo. Pissed off that they that's kind of weird yeah. for the Steelers to really lose. They're pretty good too. Nah, like I, I just like I love sports. So for me, like I, I live for that shit. Yeah, like I love yeah, that, yeah, that, love that kind of city. Like New Orleans, you yeah. guys, Detroit. Like just they rally around their teams. Like I think it's a little scary. And it's crazy how like that's the only city that every sports team is black is the same colors. Yeah. yeah, black and yellow. Black, yellow and dude, white. and they just pick, like, teams. places open. The, you go in the restaurant, it's the, the color theme of the restaurant. is like black and gold. I think it's like a yellow. little yeah. scary. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a little scary. I think it's a little weird, too, when and people are that fanatical with sports. So you, and, it's and you every know, like, team color? I mean, every team in Pittsburgh, that's yeah. the color. Black and gold, black yeah. And, yeah, black yeah. and yellow. Like, Base, I, know, I know it's definitely baseball, football. And, ba- and penguins. And, and the penguins. And we, like, we win, like, championships and shit, and you, like, flip over cars and set cars on fire. Yeah, I miss that when the Lakers used to do that. championship. It gets real. And again, like like my my man moved back to my man moved to Thailand, and I was like, he married a girl from there, and I was like, what's up with that? And he just he summed it up really well, and he he's a real smart guy. He went to CMU, and he was like, if you don't if you don't like to binge drink or you don't like sports, it can just be lonely sometimes. Like it's hard mm-hmm. to be like, yo, man, we're trying to do some other shit, mm-hmm. but it's on a Sunday and no one's showing up, and you're like. <sighs> This sucks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, but it's just that's, you know, it's like everything is different for everyone. If you got kids and you're looking at houses and it's near, a, not near a school, it's different for me if I don't have kids. So it's like you just got to go. But away. you're so Portland, though. <sighs> if like I've never, that sums you up like a motherfucker. Like this dude is texting <laughs> me like, what's the best burrito I can get here in Vegas? <laughs> There's not really where's good taco <laughs> spots like that. Where's the good me? Vietnamese iced coffee? Where's the best Vietnamese or Thai iced coffee I can get? That's some shit I would text though. I'm like, I kind of get it. I'm like running around like like in meetings and like yeah. picking shit up and doing stuff and then like I'm like thinking I'm like wow imagine just waking up and being like 
I'm going to find the best burrito in Vegas, <laughs> and I'm going to eat that motherfucker today. <laughs> I have, that's, like, that's, very real. that's very real. I have friends that live in Portland, and they all swear by it. Like, they love it. I have friends that have moved from Cali. I have a buddy and his wife that work for Nike as well. And, yeah. I mean, they love it. Like, but they, it's, never it's just a very different town. And uh, if you have a good tour guide, like if any of you guys came up and I showed you around, you'd just be like, fuck, it's so... We're moving but in. You, <laughs> but you could do anything. Like, if, you, if you're into, like, one particular weird thing, there is a lane for you. And people are just like, yeah, man. But there's absolutely no sense of urgency there. Zero. No. There's no Zero. driving at 15 miles per hour. Let me tell 55. you. Let me tell you a story because on on Nuggets podcast, you guys talked about like hiring millennials and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think this story kind of sums up millennials, but I think it kind of is very Portlandy. Mm-hmm. So my man works for this barbershop chain, and they had to they had the, this girl quit. She was a, a like the counter person. Mm-hmm. She answers the phone. Yeah. She books haircuts. Mm-hmm. She sweeps up hair. Yeah, she works five hours a day. Uh-huh. She gets paid eighteen dollars an hour. Yo, is that shit still open? <laughs> she, <laughs> she walks two blocks to work. What the fuck? She gives her notice. He goes, "Yo, do you?" I just got asked though. Like, you know, she cited her reason as this job is getting in the way of things I want to do with my life. Uh-huh. He's like, you know, I wish you the best of luck. I just got to ask. She's like younger. What do you want to do? What do you want to do that this is getting in the way? She's like, I just want to rebuild this van, this old van with my boyfriend. <laughs> nice. And he was like, you know, I hope when you're done, there's another job for you with these qualifications, but probably not. And wow. that's just like young people and Portland right there. Like, yeah, she's rebuilding the van. I hope it was a, like a Volkswagen <sighs> van. <laughs> Who the yeah. fuck cares? It doesn't make any sense. No, <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. How's the music scene in uh, Portland? <laughs> Wait, wait. I, w- I don't want to leave this millennial, uh, no sense of urgency shit with Portland, man. I no, really it's it's a general. I mean, it's a real. And, and you know, I deal with DJs. And, but, wait, 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 wait. Well, he wants to stay on the truck. We'll, okay. we'll go back to the music. I'm here all talk about the music, of course. But I want to talk about a couple of things. One is that, like, when he would take, I went to Portland. I forgot why the fuck I was there. Probably you were doing a, You were doing a Mark Side spot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now he's like opening uh he's in the marijuana weed, he's in the weed yeah, yeah, tip. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is medical marijuana everywhere it's everywhere mm-hmm. now it's legal yeah. this that was one of the first well, states the, yeah. the whole the whole business model has changed it went from you know you can just buy weed to like oh i opened a weed bed and breakfast i opened a weed blank 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 so you do the thing you'd normally do but you can buy all the weed oh weed. the weed farm to table dinner so you're getting yeah. high and like that's the business model wow how do we incorporate weed into real estate? That's like what whatever. Vegas is becoming, except where it's not becoming that thing where it's integrating like lounges or like, you know, yeah. you can't like, uh, there's no like weed lounges. We're thinking too big. Or, you know? I think thinking that's going to happen sometime Soon. down the line. Soon. In the next like, yeah. six to Definitely. eight months. Yeah. And it's going to affect the nightclubs out here. Portland is a very process driven town. So people are interested in buying a pair of boots as much as they're interested in making the pair of boots. So you get a lot of people that like, craft make food and and clothes and things like that so it's it's a lot slower where i think vegas is like bigger and faster like how do we get the five thousand people in the club to also buy weed portland's like okay we have a farm to table dinner how do we also get them some edibles no like Mm -hmm. portland's like oh i love curtains i'm gonna open a curtain store a candle shop pat Pat oswald summed it up best he comes to portland all the time and he's he loves portland but he busts on us like so hard yeah and the last time i saw him he said i love you guys so much but this is not sustainable. Like there are businesses here that shouldn't even exist on the right. internet, yeah. and you have like seven physical locations, and that's <laughs> dead. That is dead. We call them at brick and mortar Etsy stores. Like you go in the store and you're like, oh, you sell nine candles. 
why do you have a store? Right. Just have an Etsy shop and fuck off. How is that possible though? Trust trust funds are a re- trust fund hipsters are a real thing. Oh, that's all. That, that's what they are. Yo, this what do you sell? I sell this store. We only sell eight tracks. And you go in there and you're like, okay, cool. There's nobody in here, and your rent's probably three racks a month. How many eight tracks are you really selling? Yeah, you and said eight tracks. <laughs> eight tracks, for dead ass. <laughs> and and you'll be like, oh, so you guys sell four eight tracks a month, and then your dad's like, all right, well, I'll just make up the balance. And do so they know how ridiculous it is? Like, can you break on them, or they're highly sensitive about oh, it? Oh, they're it's like, like they it's like if you bust purpose. it on someone, and they just make the Kevin Hart like you just ate ass face. Like they just be like, and you, you're like, all right, I'm leaving. <laughs> Wow. What is the what is the revenue stream in Portland? Like what tech 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 okay. is big. Um, we, yeah. Weed is obviously big. The service industry is big. Like our food and uh, our food scene is crazy. So yeah, uh, I mean, how's the cost of living out there? It's going up rapidly. We're on some San Fran shit. Like it's getting oh, quickly no, that bad. San Fran's without bad. getting too yeah, specific. I bought a house f- almost five years ago, and it's worth double what I paid for it. Nice, Ooh. and that's yeah. and my and my real estate agent is like, that's dope for you, but that also you know that makes no sense. And I'm like, it makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you think it's it's too fast? It, well, I think I think pre-internet the slow growth like allowed a lot of cities to find their identity. Yeah. Now it's like the sad thing to me is when you move to a town or a neighborhood for a reason and it, very quickly that reason doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So you move to a town because they have this sort of industry and it like gets priced out and then it doesn't exist and you're like shit I moved to this neighborhood of Austin because I'm a songwriter mm-hmm. and now none of the songwriters can afford to live here so I have to like move again. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. So mm-hmm people that come from California or other places that are like, oh, I bought a house for 500 grand because I, c- I couldn't afford the 800 grand house in California. They're yeah. like pumped, but we're like, well, why the fuck is this house 500 grand now? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I, when I went to get somebody to eat with Zimmy and it was like just like a little cafe and they had – well, no, they had like the origins for everything. So, like these vegetables came from this vegetable, and they named it. And they had—I would want to say they almost had the address. When you go, yeah. to the, when you go to the grocery store, no, like no shit, you go in and you're like, oh, there's the meat department, and on the wall it's like, Krager chickens, and there's Bob Krager on a picture holding a chicken, and yeah. then it's like, there's Smartly a chicken. Actually. Swear to God, it's like a, the Portlandia skit where like, where did this chicken come Dude, from? I want to go to Portland. It's all that shit. Yeah. That I mean, amazing. it's like, yo, like uh. they tell you, and it's one of the cities, like if you went to New York and you're like, hey, I'm gluten-free, does this have this or that? Oh man! And then, like in New York, they'll roll their eyes, like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is this kosher?" <laughs> but yeah, like in Portland, like the waiter or the server will like sit with you and talk to you for ten minutes yeah. about bring making the, the perfect meal for you. Yeah, wow. everything's you know labeled yeah. like. I mean, there's a vegan barbecue joint in my neighborhood. Like, no shit. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you want some not ribs, or whatever, <laughs> is wow, it good? Man. I've never eaten. <laughs> There's, it's right across the street from a fried chicken and waffle place. So like, why am I going to go to <laughs> <laughs> We oh, had vegan tacos yesterday, yeah. so, you know. Hey, um, another thing, and then you tell me if it's changing, but Portland had, like, the most strip clubs in all of the – We have the, the most strip clubs per capita in yeah, America. I didn't know that. Really? We also have the most breweries per capita. You know, it's funny. You never hear about strip clubs from Portland. It's on every block or some shit, right? Well, here's you, are they good? When you go to clubs? Vegas, you go to the Rhino and you're like, "Yo, there's like mm-hmm. 500 girls and it's blowing my mind." And that girl was in Playboy last month and it's like crazy. And that's like dope. In I don't, one, I don't on, know. If, I don't know if that's what Rhino. On one yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, know, I know what you're saying. You're though, yeah, I I thank you, Neva. <laughs> so 
but I'm not you shitting go, on Rhino, go, but it, we, it does not we like play playmates <laughs> walking around. Look, that happened to me one time. Like we were in like the that. VIP, and this girl was like, pull up my thing. And I was like, that's you. Anyways. Um, <laughs> pull up my thing. Okay. Ooh, pause. pause. Um, <laughs> Yo, come on. So, like, we have, we have a couple bigger strip clubs, but a lot of them are more like bars with poles. So, like, you go in to, like, grab a drink. Like, you'd be like, yo. Perfect example. There's, like, a couple concert venues downtown where, like, the show will start at like nine and you get down there a little bit early and you're like, oh, we'll just go over to, we'll go to Sassy's and grab a drink. And Sassy's has like one pole. So you're just being there drinking, but also like right behind you, a girl stripping. Like it's almost. Why is that though? What, what, what is going uh, on with we're that? We're just real liberal. We're just like, whatever. But we also have like the ill shit, like the way the liquor laws are written. If you serve alcohol, you have to serve food. So like a lot yeah, of these places, the, f- the wings. food game is so high. Uh-huh. You have to have good food. So you'll go to a strip club that has like banging food. Like we have mm-hmm. vegan strip clubs. None of the girls Get wear vegan animal products club. and they all, the food is all vegan. Dude, this sounds like They a did a vice thing on it. Like they did a vice like going around all the joints. It sounds like, like a different oh, fucking man. world over there. It is. It's I mean, it sounds <laughs> amazing though. You've never seen that show, uh, Portlandia? No. No, never oh. seen it. The only show based in Portland was uh, Little Little Big People or something like that. Gr- Grim, they filmed Grim there, but I mean it's not like based there. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. what the Portlandia DJ skit is like classic. It's just like everyone's a DJ. Like you have to watch that shit. It's the hell. It's dead. It's dead ass. So how's the scene out there? Obviously, is there, there's no big clubs out there, are there? The the music scene. There's is no re- way a bottle service nightclub could. could we don't have we don't have bottle service. Yeah, it's yeah. like wow. literally it's like against the law. It is. Um, the music scene is really dope. Like I go to a lot of shows. Like I go to metal shows, pop shows fucking hip-hop shows um so that's really dope the dj scene is kind of a mess i mean there's a facebook portland dj group on facebook and there's over a thousand people in it a thousand Mm -hmm. they're all djs well what's the scene like what's the scene it's a lot of so so i think you know i don't know if you guys feel that here but like nationally i think the scene went from big clubs to small bars Mm -hmm. so like when nugget was looking to open a place like we were still playing at three four hundred person clubs right he was like nah man like and then it started to change and people were buying these hundred hundred fifty person bars which then the budgets went way down Mm -hmm. so what you get is instead of having like yo here's a spot we make good money we can pay for this dude to come in our budget's a hundred dollars our budget's fifty dollars our budget's 125 dollars so they want you to play for four hours for 125 bucks Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool if it's an off night and you're doing like your ditc tribute night right but sometimes (laughs) they want you to play like friday night set for like 150 bucks or 200 bucks which for some people is i mean depending on where you live whatever i'm just using numbers is good where where where, this is in uh pittsburgh portland portland so so we don't have like clubs where it's like, oh yeah, I've been here and I've been here for this long and I'm making eight hundred dollars on a Friday and I'm playing, you know, this long or whatever. Right, right. So it's it's kind of a mess. So you know, before we started, Nev and I were talking like I end up either playing a bunch out of town or doing a bunch of private stuff because mm. it's you know I have you can DJ every night of the week. There's a party. My buddy runs a mailing list where he sends out all the parties every week. Mm-hmm. You can DJ seven nights a week. You literally might only make like fifteen hundred bucks. Whereas I might be able to go do a corporate event and make more than that just in a few hours of, like, not sexy, kind of more boring stuff. So it's like, that's cool, but, like, the bar's getting over on you. If you bring a really good DJ in, if I brought one of you guys in to play at a little bar for $100, the bar is getting a deal. So it's kind of like you're almost playing yourself. If you're worth more than that, just stay home. Like, that's one of my big advice things to younger DJs or newer DJs is, like, everyone thinks DJing has to be your sole source of income. Like, 
do something else so that you can pick and choose your battles. Mm -hmm. Like Kevin yeah. Lowes was always like, you will have a longer career as an artist if you can operate from a point of financial stability than if you operate from a point of desperation. So like if you're an amazing artist but you're always broke, you're going to take the gigs that are going to end your career. Right. You're going to do the fucking Sprite commercial. Whereas if you like don't need that money, you can be like, I'm good. Jay-Z turned on the fucking Super Bowl because he can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like versus yeah. anybody else versus turning on the TV and there's like a Coles commercial and Jay Z is walking around buying underwear. Like you, you just have to think that way. So like, work a job and then be like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on Friday for a hundred bucks. Like I don't need that. Well, I think also like even what I've noticed about like younger, like the younger generation, and it's they're so frustrated working at a job. You know what I mean? Because they see everyone on their social media with purpose. Like yo, this person has purpose. This guy has a goal and stuff, and I'm stuck in this office. And it's like, well, you're only stuck at this office for, like, eight hours a day, and you're young. So, like, you know, there's shit you can do, get done at night. There's shit you can get done in the morning. Did you read that article I you sent you? You know what I'm you? saying? I don't know if you did. I think I sent, like, you guys, it's one of my favorite articles about this, but it's kind of when this all started happening. This guy wrote this article about Generation Y and how they're all upset. But social posturing was a big part of it. Yeah. I'm at work and I hate my job, but I post in a manner that makes it look like my job's the best. So then you are at work and you hate your job and you go, fuck, Zimmy loves his job. His job looks dope. I'm fucking up. So then you go, love my job. And you ha we both hate our job. And we're and then I'm looking at you going, fuck, Neville loves his job. Right. I'm fucking, I'm, I know deep down inside I hate my job. Everyone's at their job they probably don't want. Mm -hmm. Just do the job. But the, 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 the bullshit factor is like super high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you just, and, and you know, there was all, people have these conversations about like social media and like mental health, like you're depressed because you're, you don't understand why you're not making it. No one is. They're all lying. Right. The girls taking the picture where they look a certain way and then you see them in public. You're like, you don't even look like that. It's funny because, man, I've been doing like a bunch of uh, like HR hiring and stuff. And it's in, I've never had people like start work and flat out come out and say like, oh, I just got over like a depression and I'm just like, yo, you're so young. Why is everyone that we're hiring or like that we're interviewing just getting over depression? Because and they were just like, oh, I, I just felt like I had no purpose or like every one of my friends were doing so much better than I was. And, you know, I, I didn't know what I thought I was like in, you know, in a dead end. I'm like, yo, you're only 24. Like, you're still very young. Like, you still a lot to learn. Like, it's it's and then, you know, but they. And she's like, and then the, one of our workers was like, yeah, like, oh, I had to, like, turn off my phone and for a week and just, like, you know, and just unplug. And I'm like, yeah, like, this is going to be a bigger and bigger. I mean, it's already a fucking problem, but I think it's just going to be even It's going to get worse. It's going to yeah. get worse. Yeah. You're already seeing it. Like, there's more people, you know, with, like, mental health is a big thing now. Yeah, and I, I think it's good. I think it's, it's good that, you know, we're acknowledging the mental health and all of that shit. But, uh, you know. I think a lot of the cause is, is you know, these phones and the social media and all and this he, shit. We, we just had at the retreat, we just had a discussion about, like, physical and mental health. And it's interesting to me, anytime mental health discussions come up with younger people, it's just a matter of time before social media. Like, in you're reading the article, blah, 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 social media and cell phones. Mm -hmm. they, the two go together because you're you're worried about everyone else and everyone else's opinion of you because everything's yeah. image-driven and how you present yourself versus being like, you know, you want to have a life with purpose. Like, just have a life. Like, you want to be have you. some goals and achieve yeah. them, and yeah, like, yeah, do what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I think of, I think of like kids nowadays would rather work at someone really really cool where they can 
consistently post content about their job, but get paid absolutely nothing. Absolutely. They'd absolutely. rather they'd rather have content and look cool on social media than actually get paid. That sounds crazy. I mean, that's what it is. And I, I mean, I come from a generation where I want to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yo, my favorite post about I mean, this was besides I, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I, I know, a, I know a girl who posted the one day like I, I just you know you remember like real specific details for no reason like and I just remember she had this post it was like, oh my office had vo- has super high vaulted ceilings with skylights they're so gorgeous and it was this like really great picture of like straight up in the sky. She works the um, information desk at the mall. <laughs> nice. So anyway, there's nothing One on her page that lets you know she that. works the information desk at the mall. But when you look at the pictures, you're like, I don't know what you're doing, but you are killing it. You work at Apple. It's like, yo, you're like 32 and you're at the information desk at the mall. You are fucking not killing it. Dude, I want to like, I want to talk. I think we should bring in one of those like uh, those like nightclub promoters and all those like the hosts and the VIP hosts and all the guys that work the marketing for like events and nightclubs. Because I want to know more about the way they fly like groups of models and instagram female influencers mm-hmm. to different clubs yeah. and they'll like say like yo our nightclub we're taking over biza you know let's let's fly 50 girls and how they pick the girls and how much they get paid and what's the amenities and all of the shit yeah. because how many times do we see like you know Random shorties just like, yo, I'm in Sancho Pay. I'm like, you can't afford to be in Sancho right. Pay. Why the fuck are you in Sancho <laughs> Pay? You know what I'm saying? Dude, it's crazy. And they, they, yeah, they just look like they're just alone, like chilling, like, nah, nah. nah. Post, post, <laughs> post <laughs> the motherfucker that <laughs> sponsored you. Tag your sponsor. Yeah, tag your sponsor. Tag your sponsor. <laughs> I want to know yo, more lately, about that shit. I want to know more about that lately shit. Lately, I've been seeing it a lot with some homegirls. Oh, but it's a, you know what? It's and a, it's re- like, it is a regular mm. thing in Cali. In no, LA, oh, no, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm, yeah. That's Dude, my in first LA, song. it's got to be a regular thing. Dude, yeah. I be seeing it, I'm like, wow, I didn't know you was like this. They'd be like overseas and shit. I'm Dude, like, crazy. Shit. Cali is, because it's already so expensive to live. And then you see them at these like high end designer spots shopping. I'm like, you you don't even have a like, fucking job. I'm like, crazy, why the yo. fuck do you have the Louis Vuitton? <laughs> I wanted to ask you, are you are you big on the hip hop scene in, in Portland? Because one of my favorite battle rappers is from Portland. Who is your favorite battle rapper? Immaculate. Uh, I know of him, but I'm not super familiar. Okay, he's amazing. We've got a good, we've got a good hip hop scene. The other thing is Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh, Portland, Portland is mad racist with the hip hop shit. So like, cops shut hip hop shows down like before the shit even starts. Yeah. Like we had. What do you mean it's racist? It's racist. They just they associate hip hop shows with like violence and gangs. So like we had Big Pooh come out, rapper Big Pooh from North Carolina, like part yeah. of Big Brother, like basically a conscious rapper almost come out for a show and they shut that shit down like before it even started and they're Big like we pool. know we know he's gang affiliated and we're all like what and it just doesn't matter so that people don't want to throw the shows so, because so why they let the you like start to book the show if they know this is gonna happen well now people don't book the shows that's mm. the thing like unless it's part of like some like you still see the shows but like hip-hop nights like even in dj like hip-hop nights in certain places it's like nah is there a um, lot of there's, oh, it, there's a lot of mormons in portland right Oh, I don't know. Really? I mean, it's a pretty, it's a super white city. Wow. Mormons, uh, I mean, I, I, I remember when I would go down there. No, there, would, there was like Scientology temples everywhere. Mor- and shit. Yeah. Mormon is uh, Utah, Salt Lake City. That's where Mormons are at. 
Yeah, Mormons are everywhere. Everywhere, man. No, but Utah is <laughs> a lot. Wow. Utah's heavy. Utah's yo, heavy. I know that's heavy there, but there's actually a lot of Mormons in Las Vegas. Yo, the opinions of Jamie the Great do not represent the New York Incorporated in Las Vegas. He act like it was like an anthill, like there was this Mormon anthill in like nah. in Utah. No, they just all come out there from under the ground. <laughs> no, there's a lot. Trust me. It's like no, the anthill is in fucking Utah. That's what you think. I'm crazy, but <laughs> no, I know. We, I know that. I know they're from. They. Yes, but they're not cloned in like Utah. They're everywhere. Yeah, but there's a Scientology fucking. There's a Scientology like temple every every. When I went to Portland, it was like always there. There was like a uh, table outside, and they were like trying to you know get motherfuckers to join Scientology or whatever. I was just wondering if they had a substantial grasp on the like what was going on. Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know some so things, no, but so like, no, so no, no hip hop shows in Portland. Uh, there are, but there there was definitely a period where people were throwing a lot of them, and they were getting shut down, and they were getting, you know. So well, I mean, I want to know: was there fights happening at these shows that was happening? <clears throat> that was getting. We going? used to do a party with my man Lee uh, at this place called the Crown Room, and, and it was a monthly party, and the format was me. Uh, as the DJ and we had a live band that would do like funk covers and whatever and then we had a rapper so we would literally book in like Keith Murray Freeway like all these different guys Fife Um, and I remember one night I think it was the night we had Freeway there was the club and then next to the club on the next block was a parking lot the whole block was a parking lot and at the other end of the parking lot was a taco truck and there was a fight at the taco truck and they sent down like eight cop cars or something and then all of a sudden the cops were like in our spot trying to like put so trying to somehow link the two but then it became this thing where the cops even showed up and i think stopped the show for a little bit and it becomes this thing where they become such a nuisance you just don't want to do the thing anymore and they were like well if you get three of these whatever you can't have a whatever it's just a lot of that like it's all kind of hearsay and then you just go you know it's not worth it like we lost too much money or the clubs if you get so many of these your liquor licenses in jeopardy so there's just a lot of that like we still have hip-hop shows but it's real yeah. Some of the best hip hop shows end up being like you bring in a guy like a rock cam and there's they put a bunch of openers on it and that's where you can see the local guys because mm-hmm. they can't do a lot of their own shows as much. So yeah. and you and you're traveling more uh, as far as DJing. You DJ in Portland, but you travel a lot as well. Yeah, I mean I have ho- it's it's kind of one of those things where I have homies everywhere. So if I know I'm going to be somewhere, or there's a cool party, I try to set something up. Like if I'm going to be in San Fran or if I go to Pittsburgh or if I'm wherever, I you know I can usually put a, put together a couple gigs. Do you feel like you need a break from Portland sometimes? Um, no, honestly, I'm pretty introverted. So if I'm home, I'm usually like in the crib working on stuff. I yeah, usually yeah. have like projects going on. Um, if anything, I need a break from traveling. Like, you know, you travel a bunch and you just like yeah. miss your bed. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to just be able to leave the house and go see the stuff, but I can definitely hide if I want. Cause I saw you on the road with Jazzy Jeff. <sighs> yeah. I'm yeah. on, that's my new gig. So what have you been doing with him? Pause. Uh, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> <clears throat> there's like a pause sensitivity where some people pick up the obvious pauses, <laughs> like "Yo, man, I put it, I put, I put him in my mouth," and you're like, "Oh," and then other people just like it's very subtle, but they still catch it. Yeah. Um, he, I'm, I'm his tour tech, so basically, I advance all the shows, like the tech side of it. If we're doing festivals or whatever, I make sure, and then I go on the road, I do all the sound checks, I make sure the gear's what it needs to be, and then during the show, that kind of stuff, and then I help with a bunch of other projects for Jeff. Like we just had the playlist retreat and sorting out merch, and like if he's got some ideas for something i'm like part of the team what, that what's tries the playlist retreat what is that so the playlist retreat is uh we just ha- we just had it last week this is our fourth year mm-hmm. um yeah. it's basically we bring in a bunch of djs producers um 
to Jeff's to Jeff's house, which is crazy. Jeff, so Jeff, I didn't know Jeff that. started this. Jeff started this. I um, thought it was like a different location. I didn't know. Oh it was no, his house. he's got. So he moved out of Philly. He lives in Delaware, and he's got some land. Mm-hmm. So it's big enough that we can host everyone. So so like this year, I think we had like maybe ninety five attendees plus like staff. Well, this is like Illuminati of DJs or something. It's kind of the Illuminati. I mean, there's a ceremony. How can it's we? Kind of eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. <laughs> Fidelio is the password. It's like the Wyoming for uh, DJs. So. Um, like this year, you know, we had everyone from like uh, Potato Head people from Canada, Sango, uh, a couple guys from Selection, a couple guys from the Beat Junkies. So you had like Laura Finesse there. A- Laura Finesse. Spinner. Freddie Fox was there. Amber from Moonchild. Like all these. Kenny th- All of Moonchild was there. Like mm-hmm. so, so you get this nice, like, you know, the guys from The Roots came down, Quest and, mm-hmm. and Stro and oh, James Boyzer. So Jeff's got a really great studio on site and we've got all this land. So the, the layout of the week is on one hand, we've got uh, gear presentations. So we get to see like. You know, the new Rain 12s, the Rain 72, any new gear or software that's either out or is going to be out in a few months, the, the manufacturers are there presenting it like Splice or STEM, like here's yeah. some new tech. Um, but then we also have like presentations on everything from like health and wellness and business to uh, like last year we had Bob Power come through and just talk about uh, his career engineering and stuff yeah and mm-hmm. do q a and you know we did a skype with uh bob, Chef Power, Gordon. bob Power did all the engineering for like tropical quest Tribe yeah. Yeah. d'angelo and mm-hmm. stetsasonic mm-hmm. so um and those guys hang out too like you'll go in the studio and bob power's been there twisting some knobs and we have guys on site we bring in to run the studio so young gurus there <gasps> jeff kilo who was jay-z's guy on the road like a bunch of guys who you're in there doing a jam session with like Questlove and Brass Tracks on the horns and Freddie Fox is rapping, but you've got a professional engineer. So the track you end up with is like fucking crazy. So Jeff is just flo- 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 floating around. Yeah. No, but he's fronting the bill for all of this. Well, we have a lot of sponsors too. So like mm-hmm. everyone stays on site, like in festival trailers. So there's like literally, we just posted the recap today on the playlist Instagram, but like there's festival trailers, like four guys to a trailer. And you wow. might wake, you know, you might be bunked up with like 14 KT and Questlove. That's mm-hmm. fucking dope. So and 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 there's also like a music component. So we do like a challenge every year where you show up and maybe the second night you get a thumb drive of. So we this year we broke everybody into countries: Argentina, Germany, France. So the France group, let's say, was like Sango, DJ Day, uh, Musina, and somebody else. 14 KT and they get a thumb drive and on this thumb drive is some samples and like a record from France because they're the France group they have until the end of the week to make a track and then we present all the tracks mm. so like <sighs> Ronnie Size was there uh-huh. I mean some of these groups pairings are just crazy and they come up with these tracks People, they've got singers there yeah. you know what I mean like Billy Mercury and guys did, singing on the tracks. Did, did everyone have the same samples or no? No, everyone has different shit. And you've got guys that can play keys, people that play drums, horns, like all that stuff. So That's at the end of the so week, dope. you're doing all the things and going to the talks and eating the food and hanging out. But at the end of the week, we present all the tracks. And there was like a, there was uh, like this year, there was a sample presentation. Uh, they found some Jay Dilla stuff that they were, oh, they're yeah. going to be licensing. So Ma Dukes came wow. and she was there for the end of it. Like it's just so, and, and I was telling Neva, like, the what you see after the fact like you see people making tracks you know together that were at the retreat like oh let's keep in touch and let's like work on some projects so it's really it's really cool to see that organic building so so you were jeff and what were you doing during that you were just so for this particular week setting up all the tech and everything well i was part of the planning team so we have the weekly calls where we're doing the programming and we're doing you know who we're inviting and how everything looks but then on site i'm doing um i'm helping with video production so there's like an eight person photo video team and Roland's there with tech and we're shooting everything, but also like 
photos, videos, B-roll. And then it's just general stuff like, hey, man, can you go help dude out? He needs whatever. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm running around helping find Natasha Diggs a mixer or some shit, right. like whatever's going on. So yeah. it just, it's, a, it's, an ins- it's one of those weeks where nobody sleeps. Like you're up at 8 a.m., and you might go to bed at like 4 a.m., and you're just, it's nonstop. But is it, you're having a ball, though, right? It sounds like great. I mean, you're, and you're seeing shit where you're like, you'd just be walking around, and you walk by a table, and like Lord Finesse and Young Guru are like, yo, man. And then Biggie came in, and there was no more chicken left, and somebody, and then you're just like, I'm just going to stop and listen to this story. Shit. Yeah, like, like <laughs> I mean, I walk, in, there's, there's a there. there's a clip in the in the, in the the re- recap video of Questlove's playing the drums, and I'm filming them, and mm-hmm. uh, Danielle, who's who helps on the office side, comes in and goes, um, did you did you check into your trailer? And he goes, I'm not sleeping. Like it was like <laughs> four a.m. and he was just playing the drums. He's like, I'm not going to bed. Like we're just gonna keep this shit rolling. Like Freddie Fox is rhyming over me playing the drums. I'm not going to bed. It's crazy. So you're just yeah. like running around. Like I'm gonna eat a snack and drink a Red Bull and fucking keep it moving. So. Did you see any static or any like ill will? Like Ill there's weird never shit? really been. Everyone's really. I mean, the only thing the static wise you get, you never get any like beef. But you know people have personalities so like one guy's maybe introverted and someone else is extroverted and they're not in a group where they're like necessarily jiving the best right but it kind of works itself out because people will have they'll have the heart to heart like someone will be like yo man you gotta you gotta check your ego and just play the fucking like guitar like you can't we don't need all that other bullshit so mm-hmm. and that, i think at the end of the week they come out of it like because and and then you're you're with like the best of the best <sighs> and everyone you, yeah. you, you yeah. do young gurus and, ev- and every and everyone's equal like you come in and you're james poiser and i come in and i'm dude that makes beats on my laptop and i'm now in a group and james poiser's not going to be like oh yeah that's cool but when I, i'm gonna call lauren hill it's like that doesn't happen he's like yo let me help you flip the thing yeah so it's insane <laughs> mm-hmm. wow Damn, that's just just sounds. And how, long, how long has this been going on for? This is the fourth year, oh, and we did a we did like like one of the things we did was like a DJ City live stream like boiler room style. So we were talking about the video shit. So mm-hmm. like just people playing an hour set. Like you just hear Jubilee playing like reggae and like booty bass and shit, and you're just like walking in and out of the Jeff's like pool room. Like, oh, I need to grab a drink at the bar. Oh, that's dope. And then you just see someone like walk out the door and other people in there and like. Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy. Yeah, and it sounds like dope. sounds like you had a good time. How, <laughs> yeah. does, how does one get an invitation? That's good. <laughs> and that's and you know we talked about that. That's a funny thing. Like I'll be on the road with Jeff, and we'll run into someone, and you can just hear and be like, "Hey, yo, man, just letting you know, like my beginning of August, I got like nothing really booked. If something's going on, <laughs> 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 I'm like slow down, like we'll let you know." Mm-hmm. So, so how do you? Uh, well, I got two questions. One, you did you try the rain? The 72? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So for first off, the 12s, I don't know if you mess with those. No, the 12s yeah. are the... The, the, the one, ne- no needle. No needles. Okay, it's yeah, yeah. basically USB. a turntable-sized controller, but it feels like a turntable. Great. Mm-hmm. It's those nice. are going to change everything. Because we started, we source those now, like when Jeff does a festival gig, mm. with the crazy monitors with the bass and the wind, you got no problems now. Wow. You, windy wow. as shit, you got no needle jump, you got no fuzz. Is it actual vinyl? It's No, it's it's a controller, but it's the 12-inch platter. No, but I mean, is the platter, like the vinyl. actual vinyl, it's vinyl. And it is vinyl? It's, vi- it's actually acrylic. It's like an acrylic mix because they were testing them in the sun and the vinyl was warping. Mm. So now even if the sun's on, it may not warp. Wow. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, easy. Between that, between that, and phase i was gonna ask you about that between that and phase people unless you're playing vinyl you're not like actual fucking records yeah you're not gonna use needles in five years if if that 
Because wow. why you're going to go to a club and it's basically like a CDJ but a turntable. But phasers, I, I was I was thinking it, it just seemed a little weird. Like phasers, a little power, weird, right? a little so, weird. I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I'm like, uh, yeah, because you were on board for that. No, nah, but then the rain started seeming a little. They're like, gonna. It's yeah. uh, either every company is going to have a needless solution. Every company that makes a, right. a pioneers. So is, gonna this, have is one. it going to be really a big difference between CDJs and? Well, think tentative. about it. Think about it. You've got the size difference. You've got the feel difference. I mean, yeah, the CDJs totally kind of f- just Who's feel CDJ? the platters different. This feels like a record. It's got a record on top. So then, you know. But I you're mean, not using any needles. You only need a needle for it. And the just imagine a turntable like, with no needles. Yeah. But you have you, the you haven't you're put the needle down. And you're just doing a thing. Yeah. Exactly. That seems thing. weird, man. Huh? It seems weird. No, it's no, just going to be. It's amazing. Yeah. So there's that. And then the 72 is crazy. And I think it keeps spinning. If you turn it upside down or if you turn it sideways, it keeps spinning. It's basically like you're eliminating all the problems related. The tone arm is the weakest link. I was about in to that ask you shit. about the tone arm. So how no, there is no, no tone, tone arm. arm. No it's tone just arm. a dish that keeps spinning, but and it's, it's like the record. thing on top. Yeah, yeah. You so haven't how seen did, it? How did you? No, how did you look up the seventy-two? How did you like the seventy-two? The seventy-two is cool. It's got a screen on it that's much bigger and it's touch sensitive, so you can see the waveform. They're basically doing away with you looking at the computer. So you can just look at your. You can look right down there. Mm-hmm. Scroll. Add tracks, yeah. He's pulling up the picture. Yeah, because I was in a, I was like in a, in a, in a debate whether to get the S nine or the seventy two. I, I still love the S nine. I haven't played on the seventy two a bunch. I think they're both great mixers. Yeah. But I just got real comfortable with. I have an S nine. I just got real comfortable with it now, and it's like it's got the seventy two's got like more. I mean, people just buy shit that comes out that they don't even really need. So. You know, no, actually, I was like testing out fucking mixers to see which ones yeah. I was gonna get, but I ended up with the S9. And I'm really, really happy with it. Yeah, and but I yeah, was a rain guy. Yeah, I mean, you can you can go in and you can control mad shit like right on the screen. You yeah. can see what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. You can zoom in and out like it's the, my my only thing downfall was for the 72s that you can't switch um, the curve physically. You have to do it on the screen. Yeah. That's my but I mean, like, how much in the middle of a set are you switching the curve? No, I'm just afraid of breaking the screen. And on the rain? Fucked. Yeah. 72. On the 72. I think as far as mixers goes, rain can, I think they're done. I don't think they can fucking make a good mixer, sound quality-wise. I could be wrong. All the views. I feel like that's <laughs> always been the case, though. That's but there's also, we that also got to that see. That wasn't the case. As soon as they started making scratch mixers, it was a wrap. We started, we also got to see, like, there's videos. 56 was amazing. That DJ Scratch posted of uh, Denon has a bunch of new pieces, mm-hmm. and they're building the computer right into the piece. So whereas you would have a SSD with your Serato crates and everything, mm-hmm. you would plug it into the the joint and your crate your screen would look a lot like serato so you could load crates and shit like that so it's where you're on like a cdj and you're just looking for tracks and maybe going into folders you can actually see your structure and it shows scratches like doing routines on these shit and he goes and i mean they're lighter and they're cheaper and they're small and like so there's a lot of good gear coming out where they're trying to get away from the weak points like yo my computer died the sun fucked my shit up there's yeah. wind so it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's interesting it doesn't mean anyone's going to become a better DJ. I mean, if that were the case, everyone would be an amazing DJ, but it's it's eliminating problems that some of us have. But as but what it does also is that as technology moves forward, like Serato comes in, style the style of DJing starts changing and evolving. You know what yeah. I mean? Z, Z-Trip said it best. Z-Trip said three-style is now a style of DJing. Like when you guys started DJing, when I started DJing, we got into DJing because we love music, so that was the backbone of our foundation. Was right. like we got we mm-hmm. you got crates in your head. Yo, we're doing a '90s R&B night, and you're like, "Fam, I'm gonna kill it. Right. I'm yeah. excited." Mm-hmm. Kids now are 
learning the performance side of it more so. So they're like, okay, when, when I'm losing the crowd, I'm a tone play. I'm a word play. I'm going to do some like freestyle type shit instead of going like, I'm reading the crowd. This shit is not working. I'm going to play reggae. Oh, it's working? Cool. I got an hour reggae. No problem. They're just like, you know what I mean? They're, wor- they're worried about it differently. Well, don't you think it's a little like more, uh, it's more like self-absorbed? It's more about like I'm I'm, I'm going to show that I can do. Look at me, absolutely. It's almost like our, a perfect example would be like a, an electric guitar solo. Let me let me right? explain. Let you don't want to hear an electric guitar solo for a whole fucking song. No, unless you, you like want, fish. You want to hear? Unless <laughs> you want to hear that maybe sixteen bars at the most, right? Yeah. And I think that's what I look at with scratching and turntableism, like. It's it's seasoning. Know? It's salt. And a really good example of this is one of my favorite guys is DJ Excel. Excel is a super dope DJ. His song selection is really good. He plays everything for the right amount of time in the right order. Yeah. And he'll just do a little in and out. Let's little little wiggity wig on yeah. out, on the in. Not like, fuck, man, it's been 32 bars. Knock it off. Just just to let you know he can scratch. Yeah. So, like, I people say this now. Yo, I'm going to go see a DJ. You go to hear a DJ. Like, I should be able to blindfold you and sit you in a chair and be like, this DJ is awesome. Mm-hmm. This DJ is terrible. But in, there's a whole production value behind everything now like we got to see the hands i'm watching you we're not dancing anymore pause you can't see me that but it's like that whole thing of like the the whole ex- all every the experience is totally changed you just depending on what lane you're in you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah do you think there's an avenue for that like it, like as far as uh three style being a style of djing like can that be sustainable in a club um there's a couple different versions of a club it depends on the club if you have a club where people are coming to dance that's one thing. If you have a club where people come and we're now looking, like we went from this, looking at each other, to looking at you. Well, why don't you ask yourself that question? I have my opinion. I, I know for sh- what I think. I was just curious. What do you think? I don't think so. Yeah, well, what do you want to see? I don't want to see anything. I just want to have a good time and, like, dance. You want to get asked. So you, yeah. don't, so you don't even care if you can <laughs> see where the DJ is. Uh-huh. And that's and – that's, but that's a particular lane, and I like right. that lane. But you got to understand, like, Becky from Idaho that comes to town, she wants to see the hard hands and the explosion and the backlit screen and the LEDs, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to – like, I just came from Chicago. I, sh- I shot the Chosen Few Music Festival, right, 40,000 people, only house music. They didn't give a fuck where you were. It was church. Like, they were, like, at church dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not really the case here at most places. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, man, check out your man's hat. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I want to hear the music. I want to dance, like, uncontrollably. But that's just one particular lane. There's a lot of lanes but for But don't DJing you think right that's now. also drug-related? The, like, the drugs, like, a focus on Absolutely. the lights and the, and Absolutely. the music? Absolutely, yeah. And but then, you know, I'm just saying Becky's not coming because she's going to hear Dimitri from Paris play the most amazing set and do some drugs. Mm-hmm. She's just like she got a checklist Friday night. Calvin Harris is at Omnia. We secured some ecstasy. We have a table. Check all the boxes. Get the Instagram back to Idaho. Done. <laughs> but that's just that's one lane. That's not all DJing right now. That's just you know what you're getting when you go there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the side room, you might have Obi playing hip-hop, and you might just want to go dance to some fucking hip-hop mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's less of a show. Dude, I fucking hate it when I'm DJing and people are just staring at me. I yeah. fucking hate that yeah. shit. 
That's we get it out way. here a lot when there's performances. I fucking hate yeah. it. Yeah. When we like waiting for whoever we're opening for, like that might be performing. They just like we kind of want to dance, but we just want to secure our spot on the dance floor so we can see. And then they look all the bored and shit. They're just looking they're at like you. Holding, on stage. Like, they're like, just like, they're That's just when you kind of gotta interact with them a little yeah. bit. Get on the mic. Yeah. I see you down there, sleepy. I mean, you guys. I I watch a lot of videos. I see you guys play. I watch Warren's videos. I see you know your your role in this town and a lot of the places you play has. You either have to ad- adapt to a certain level of performance or you're probably not going to have a gig anymore. Like, a lot of people can come in and play those records, d- depending especially if, like, they're records anybody gives a shit about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, if selection really matters. So you've got to get on the mic and get on the table. And But it, yeah. it's you know what, man? Uh, what I've been noticing is people getting on the mic and doing their sets, there's an anxiety attached to it because they're afraid they're going to lose their job. One hundred percent. It's almost like a gun to someone's head. Like perform, motherfucker, fam. If someone, <laughs> you know what I mean. If next yeah. week, if next week, your job entailed doing everything you do, but also cooking, motherfuckers would start cooking. I mean, if I yeah. say crooked, you're gonna do all this. We got a camera on you, and you're gonna be cooking. You would start cooking. I would actually enjoy that though. So that's <laughs> different. Uh, you know, I'm what just, I mean? I'm just cook saying, it, like, like we live in the in the. It, it, when the top dollar of the industry like dictates like what has to happen, no, people I, follow suit. I think. No. Well, no, I also think it's a shame though. Like when I walk into a, a venue and I know, like you know, I don't even get mad at openers. I don't get frustrated. I don't get frustrated at openers anymore. I just f- start. I start feeling bad for them because I'm like, yo, this dude is afraid he's gonna lose his job. One hundred percent. Because he, number one, he's playing a bunch. Of, like if he's burning me, I'm just like, oh, okay. Like he probably doesn't know what to play right now. And so he's playing bangers because he doesn't want to lose his job. And you know what I'm saying? And if he's on the mic, he feels like he has to amp them up because he's afraid he's going to lose his job. And even when he's on the mic amping them up, I can just hear. But, but, but what is the root of that? What is the root of that? The root is that any, like, just they don't want to lose their job. Any bad, like, and there's no music directors anymore. That's number one. The root of that is the security, your job security is not based in your, the things they used to be based in. The, the job security of me hiring you guys to play New York hip-hop all night has gone away because I, I, I hear stories from people. Cricket told me a story about she got hired for this group. They hired like seven girls for this female DJ night. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things they did was they basically had them all do a music swap. They made all of them have all the same music. And they're like, we had to play this, that, and that. And pretty much I had to give a bunch of edits to this girl. And then they fired half of them like two months later. Your job security is not in never has all the shit and knows how to play it as much as it used to be it's never is going to be on time he does a good job he knows the room he can work the mic it's a bunch of things no 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 i you you are right but it is about the people who are hiring they don't know anything that's the problem oh yeah that's part of the problem yeah that's the actually that's the big part of the problem is that the people who are hiring the djs don't know so when they go to an opener like how come there's no energy that and then you know the opener's like, well, okay, I- I'll do it. He doesn't want to seem like he doesn't know what the fuck he's yeah. doing. When in actuality, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know what I'm saying? And and then and then he equates energy to playing hits to, to playing hits. Right. And then the managers are like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. Then all these openers, it's so it then becomes okay to play the hits. And you know what? Nowadays in the nightclub, it, it doesn't even fucking matter anymore. But it does matter because I mean. You want to set a mood and all of that, but obviously it doesn't matter for the headline. The, the headliner. Well, it matters in the club in in the end, in, in a long way. I mean, the, the, you're never really gonna understand what the fuck we're talking about. We're gonna sound like disgruntled old motherfuckers until you actually DJ a whole night from beginning to end. Yes, yes, correct. And that's that's the, that's the problem. Is that any 
any new DJ, I don't know, I would say who's a, whether he's a headliner, whether he's an op- just an opener and closer, he's not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about unless he does a whole night by himself and it does it for like a year. And then he's going to be like, I get it. Or at least goes to a club and watches two people, that three people that know how to do it for a year. Like watches yeah. the arc and go, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's the educational component is not there. Like you said, your man's just trying to not lose his job. If right. they go, yo, fam, mm-hmm. where's the country records? He's going to go, huh? Here comes a country record. It doesn't matter what he thinks about it. Yeah. He doesn't. No one ever showed that kid. Mm-hmm. It's like a, like uh, if I go to a, a, like a maybe a younger DJ or a new DJ and they're, I'm like, what's a headliner? And to me, a headliner controls the room, has ups and downs, takes chances and do whatever. A DJ might be like, yo, I'm going to play all the hits. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to like, you know. Uh, I'm gonna say hello to the crowd. I'm gonna like pour shots into girls' mouths. I'm gonna act like a fucking rock star. I'm gonna jump on the stage. Or yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna. And that's that's that to me is what a headliner. The you skill, know, the is, skill you know set has saying? changed. Yeah, and, you know. and not only that, I'm gonna make sure my boys are there to film all the great moments when there's cryo and everything. So then it becomes like this big show. When in actuality, that might only be twenty percent of the night, mm-hmm. and eighty percent of the night could be flat. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but you're still playing that other eighty percent as if it's you're crushing it. You have to mm-hmm. still keep that energy right. up. You have yep. to like because the seventeen people in front of you from Idaho are like, yo, we paid all this money and flew from Idaho, and you can't you can't half ass it. You still got to be like fucking mm-hmm. hitting a cryo gun. Yeah. It's the it's, one. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the skill set has changed, but again, it, it's there's a bunch of different lanes of DJing, and it's like one particular lane, and and each lane has its things that have gone good and gone bad, and it's you know the discussion like i'm sure you guys do other kinds of parties too and certain things have changed about those parties and certain things have gotten better and worse i mean i watch how i watch house these djs sometimes and i'm like this was cool but i also don't know if like it was cooler five years ago or it's better than it was five years ago it's you'd have to talk to them yeah, yeah. i mean how's dj i'm trying to remember how's djing back in the day it was just like I thought and opening was, was so different back in the day opening was so fucking different and i love opening because you could get so loose. Mm-hmm. Now can, I think you can you, play whatever you, you want. You can get loose, but you can this get loose. This is long that crowd is going. Yeah, you can get loose in this in this lane. But before you were like, oh, R and B, disco, funk, rock, reggae. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna get loose. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you can get loose, like eh, like right in here. I think you can though. You can you can take chances and play a whole bunch of different songs. The only thing is that it takes a lot of work nowadays because but, you. You know what I mean? But I understand what Zimmy's saying. Like, back in the days, you could play, you could start your night off with, like, some 80s, some 70s, some funk, yeah, some hip-hop. The thing is, you can still do that. The problem is, is that we're used to doing sets. So you're used to doing, like, an 80s set. So you'll yeah. do, like, eight songs of 80s or six songs of 80s, go into disco, and then and then go back. Mm-hmm. Now you can only play one of those songs. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Is like you, you got to get out of it right away. But I'm saying, it, like, it, you could still play, like, uh, fuck. If I did an opening set, you could still play, like, uh, fuck. Like, like a Eurythmics track, but you're going to play one 80s track like that. Yeah, you could play, what is that song, Post It, with uh, Janae Aiko? Post to be? Post to be. Post to be, yeah. yeah. You yeah. could play that and, like, go into, like, Return of the Mac. But you can't go into, like, more 80 shit. Nah. You got to, like, bring it back a little bit. Yeah. You, you, guys, I mean? you guys also have a unique situation here where you have such a rotational crowd. And there's really, like you said, when you know a room, there's a beauty to, to living in a city where you have a Friday night. And you know you're going to get a certain amount of recurring customers. And you can go, like, oh, the first two hours are mine. 
Mm-hmm. Like I still have to headline and make everyone have a good time, but the first two hours, people are coming here and they, I know they're going to stay because they know. Yeah. So you can get even a little more loose. Like, oh, I got a bunch of shit this week. I'm going to play a Mayor Hawthorne joint. I'm going to play a fucking Janelle Monet joint. Amongst all the other openers, your R&Bs, your up-tempo, like lower energy joints. Mm-hmm. Versus like when you guys are here, you, you, people are coming here for like one night maybe and you, you still have to like perform pretty hard. I mean, there was like first hours where like it wasn't even that busy in Pittsburgh or whatever, and I would just be like, "Yo, it's gonna be fucking new disco for an hour." And no one cares. You ain't going anywhere. You ain't walking <laughs> to another club. You're coming to my club for Friday night, and you already know like Friday night's gonna be good or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm walking into rooms and I'm I'm getting burned, and the and the crowd's just like, eh. And uh-huh. that's when I feel bad for the open. I'm just like, yo, <clears throat> just let me get on. Like, I don't. It's not even like let me get on and show you how it's done. It's like let me get on because let me stop. You would have saved the night. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's not even that. I'm like obviously. You're kind of lost, mm-hmm. and if you're playing this, you're stressing the fuck out. So stop stressing the yeah. fuck out. Like, like get off the tables and then let me fucking stress out. Like, if if I'm gonna stress, let me stress the fuck out because I don't want to stand here and like I can feel it hurts. I stress. can listen to the mixes <laughs> and the desperation when the motherfuckers on the mic. Like I can hear like how how much anxiety you have and how nervous you are or like how stressed you out you are. You know, like just like relax. And I just think it's like, and when I think you, it's sad, yo. When you open too, I think you can let certain stuff play for a little bit longer. You can let it live. So I think that anxiety yeah. just goes down because you're like, oh, no, you're going to get two verses of this song, and it's a good song, and like, we got time versus like, yeah. yo, 45 seconds of every track. Bang, 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 right bang. You know, yeah. it's like. Yo, these openers are getting hit with like all the stress from managers. Like, yo, you're playing too old. Or like, yo, you need to play new, more new, new music or new sets. Like, what the f- And then what is, who is this manager? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, where did he come from? Right. <clears throat> Graham Funky had a really good comment in an interview with him, and he said, you know, when you DJ, you have, like, your face on because you're in the public eye, and someone comes up to you, and they say, hey, man, I had a good time tonight. You did a really good job. I have, like, a, <laughs> I have like a clip of this I just saved. And he goes, you know, on the public side, you go, hey, man, thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm glad you had a good time tonight. Mm-hmm. But inside, I'm going, who the fuck are you, and what are your qualifications to even pass judgment on what I just did. And that's funny. And, you know, Graham, he can be, you know, whatever. But, like, yeah, you got a manager who, like, you're 40 years old. You've been DJing for 25 years. You've been playing this room for three years. And they just hired Joey Botafuco, the fucking new manager guy. He's uh-huh. 29. And he's, like, in your ear about some shit. And you're, like, fam, I'm about to knock you the fuck out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't say that. But, you know, like, you don't understand that what you're saying doesn't even fucking make sense. But it's a yeah. job. You know what I mean? That's the job. That happens a lot right now. A lot. Just a bunch of managers who don't know what they're fucking talking about. Hire professional. This is my rule for life. Hire professionals and get the fuck out of the way. If I get, if I bring in a plumber to fix my fucking bathroom and he goes, look, man, I'm just letting you know, this old plumbing, it's running this way and the way it is, it's going to drip. And you're gonna fu- I'll go, what do, you, what do you think we should do? Because you fucking plumb shit all day <laughs> right exactly. i'm not gonna go yo fuck that we're gonna put the thing like that's i tell people that all the time like you hired a chef and i have photographer friends they go oh yeah we we, we book with a client and they showed up with a pinterest board of photog photographs that look nothing like well, how i shoot and he's like did you did you want me to shoot your shit because mm-hmm. you brought like a bunch of other shit like i'm a i'm a sushi chef and you showed up with barbecue pictures like right <laughs> just go i've had your food it's good I don't like chicken. Make whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all we do all day. You guys all know more about music than anyone in the club. I'm going to repeat this. Standalone soundbite. 
if you hire a good DJ, they probably know more about music than anyone else in the entire fucking club. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. Most of the time. Yeah. Maybe there's another <laughs> DJ in the fucking club, but like the bartender's not going home and being like, oh man, this, I got this Sal Soul box set and I'm just really going through these. Di-. They don't fucking care. You know mm-hmm. all the you know all the radio shit, all the classic shit. This is your fucking life. The end. I I mean I agree to a certain extent. <laughs> no, I can't I can't co-sign that one hundred percent. But do you, but, think, uh, like, do you think because there's so many DJs, they're looking at us as like we're sort of expendable, or we're not as rare as we used to be at some point, and so they <clears throat> they kind of talk to us in that light. I've thought about this at length because the initial argument was Serato ruined DJing because now there's too many DJs. Mm-hmm. I've thought about this at length, and this is my decision. <laughs> Serato, Serato. <laughs> Why the fuck you got to say it so dramatically? Yo, because this is this is a real serious thing. It's this is a real serious real. thing. Okay, okay. Simi, preach. Serato, all these DVS softwares, all these things definitely opened it up for people to get into DJing, definitely mm-hmm. lowered kind of the standards a little bit. However, if there's 100 DJs in my town and 10 places to play, the onus really falls on who's booking the DJs. If you do your job and you try to get the best DJs in there for the budget you have, cool. If we get 10,000 more DJs, your job hasn't changed. If you have $300 for Friday night and you still need to get the best DJ you can for $300, people worked all week and they're coming out to have a good time. If you're trying to protect your job by saying, we're going to spend $100 and we're going to put the other $200 somewhere else. You're doing a disservice to your job. The problem is not the DJs. If anybody wants to get into DJ, I want you to get into DJing for whatever reason. But the onus, the gatekeepers are still the booking agents. Yeah, That's it. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you go to a club and someone's dog shit, someone fucking hired that guy yeah. or girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. If they're up there playing a pre-record mix in a fucking chicken outfit because that's what's selling tables right now someone <laughs> someone proposed it someone approved it and here we are versus i mean dude you guys know there are places where the booking agent is a dj but but you're you're saying that assuming that the booking agent or the people involved are doing their job and uh, care i'm not about even saying i'm not even saying that i'm saying that's where the axe falls mm-hmm. the problem isn't the guy who wanted to get into djing the problem is the guy who was like uh i'm the booking agent and i don't give a fuck don't don't get mad at DJs or Serato that there's more DJs now. It's like no one gets mad when you go to a baseball game. There's still a guy on the baseball team going, that guy can't fucking catch. Don't fucking hire him. Yeah, but th- you still got to get a good fucking player in there. But it's also like to a point where uh, there's there's just like there's more incentives now besides the fact of hiring a good DJ. Absolutely, like, I so th- that has changed. But I'm just saying, if yeah. you go somewhere in the DJ's dog shit, <laughs> Pauly D is a good example. People, people. I'm just <laughs> let me finish. Polly D. People were like, "What do you think about that?" Someone came up to me. I, I'm not a sushi chef. Someone said, "Fam, we want you to do be a sushi chef. We're going to pay you fifty grand a night." I'm putting on the fucking Mr. Miyagi bandana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. No one's turning down that money. The fault's not Polly D's. It's his fault. He didn't fucking hurry up and learn how to DJ a lot better. But the opportunities that are presented to those people, and they took them. Hey, man, you want to play the opening room at Trist? Yeah, doesn't dude play there? Yeah, fuck that dude. We're gonna we're firing him. Whatever. We're paying you less money. That's not the fucking dude's fault. It's the the booking agents are the people that open the fucking floodgates to all the shit. Well, mm. I mean, I think the booking agent and the marketing people are more worried about getting bodies in. So even Absolutely. though the, even though that D Miles is a better DJ than whoever, the whoever that they're gonna book, 
has you know five hundred thousand followers, one point five million. So they're going to get booked. Absolutely. Not, and not only that, there are incentives. Like I said, booking agents are getting paid on the side everywhere now. It's Absolutely. A, it's a regular thing now. I, I just don't want anyone to listen and go, yeah, man, fucking Serato. Or like whatever. Just remember, when you go to the club and a dude with one arm is DJing because he has a million Instagram followers, fucking, if someone offered me that money and I had one arm, I'm up there fucking DJing with yeah. one arm. Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk about D-Miles' pants? Because you brought it up and I forgot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know go. if you can see these on the camera. He's wearing <laughs> salmon. And oh, he's yeah. man. He's mad, spread out in the chair. He's got spandex <laughs> on. That's like when, like when it stretches, it's salmon color, and it's got a fishnet texture. It's mad stuff. You got like the uh, Jamaican bobsled. Yeah, from Cool Runnings. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> I plan on working out when I leave. I yeah, but we, you don't have to put us through that shit. I know, man. Put some basketball. <laughs> shorts this is a bathroom. You could, you could have changed after we finished the podcast. No. Well, you could have just put some shorts over that shit. <laughs> you look like, a, you look like you got superhero pants, bro. Sorry, sorry to segue. It just no, it's he, good. It's good. he keeps spreading out next to me. He looked like he looked like Batman after Batman yes, just got done yes. fucking Robin and just like walked out, forgot to put his utility belt on and escape. <laughs> you oh, look like man. you just fucked the shit out of Robin. No, man. Yeah, you look like that. You took off the mask. You're not gonna wear shorts. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, have any know. shorts on. He has on spandex with like the the dick cup on the front. Just yeah. no shorts. <laughs> correct term. Are you wearing uh, a cup? No. But oh. it's got like the pouch that you jam your shit into, you know what I mean? The when correct, you cross the it or What kind of workout are you compression doing? Compression tights. You wear a cup. It's compression tights, bro. It's definitely you compressing some shit. You gotta wear shorts over those pants. I mean, it's just too hot, man. I don't like doubling up. Just wear these. Or well, you could just wear shorts and then put the tights on later at the gym. I could have did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. He really came out of his house. Like, this is how we rock it. Yeah, I actually ran some errands. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> Jesus Christ. Lady, lady, lady Chipotle was like, what? She, she gave you some extra beans. No. <laughs> she gave you some extra chicken. A little scoop, a little extra scoop. <laughs> she gave you free chips and guac. She's like free chips for the for the eye candy. Um, <laughs> um so wait, I wanna get I wanna get back to you, Zim. And uh how did how did you link up with Jazzy, Jeff? Um I had been I've been friends it seems like you have I mean it seems like an amazing experience and opportunity to work with like yeah, obviously one of the best the DJs in history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the first time I met Jeff was like maybe a decade ago. We did a Scion party in Baltimore with uh, Jeff. It was me, Nugget, Jeff, and Premier. Ooh. Um, and they, you know, Scion was just throwing these wild ass parties. Um, and we and he kept popping up on the radar for Scion parties. Like we did, we did some in Pittsburgh. He was there. We did some just like regionally. And you and you were working with Scion in Pittsburgh. We started. We started. Um, you know, Scion had a monthly budget. They were throwing parties monthly. So the uh, the local guy kind of identified that, like, me and Nugget were the guys. So he was like, look, you got any ideas? Just shoot them over. So he, he'd sponsor little parties. We'd kind of throw bigger quarterly things. Um, and then we just, you know, we just kept in touch. And this is when they had a budget where they this could This is when they were spending. Scion was supporting DJs and hip-hop heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing those ill tours where they had, like, the rapper with the live band and shit. Like, you could see, like, Red Man with the fucking live band and shit. It was crazy. Um, and then I think I think Nugget and I got into a position where, pause, we were booking DJs at um, clubs in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we had the short list. We, we were booking scam guys. We were booking Dexter guys. And right. Jeff was on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we just kept – I mean, it became, like, kind of a yearly booking and – I don't remember the first thing I did, but I know I know Jeff's people call me and like ask for help with some project, and then I just did that, and then it just be like, hey, we're doing a thing, can you help with this project or whatever? Well, why did they reach out to you? 
What uh, in particular did they see that stood out to them that that you know kind of calculated in their head like, oh, this guy could help us with this shit. Um, I honestly, I think, I think I remember someone saying like, yo, Jeff thinks you just have like good ideas and we're coming up with this thing where like we need some ideas and we need some whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and I, th I think a big part of it is just like being reliable. Like we all know DJs are like the least reliable humans ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I'm not I, asking to diss, like I'm just, no, I'm, no, no. I'm, I'm like, why you, oh, you know no, what like, I'm saying? I'm just saying like, you know, like, <laughs> no, you fam, know, but like, like you specifically, there's so many, no, I think, know, I think so it was just people, like, yeah. they gave me some, some, some stuff to run with and I, and I, and I did it well and it was on time or whatever. And I don't even remember what that stuff was, but um, and then, you know, four years ago we did the first playlist retreat and I had come up with a bunch of ideas for just that. It was really small. It was like 30 people. Um, so you helped put that together. The I wouldn't say I helped put it together. I would say I was involved. I mean, okay. I don't want to take any uh, minimal credit. Um, but yeah, just, it, it's kind of like a Swiss army situation. Like, like everyone has a job on the road or with Jeff, but if something else needs done, we kind of all just whatever, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. And then a couple years ago, Chris Schaefer, uh, Jeff's photo video guy, who's amazing, like he had a baby, so I got a call like, "Hey, can you go on the road and do some like video shit?" Because I knew I was working on the doc. So, so you do the vinyl destination shit. Chris does all that, yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, so I went on the road for a month in Europe and like shot a bunch of stuff, and then I just you know you just get calls like, "Hey, man, what do you think about this? We have some ideas. What do you think? Like whatever." Dope. And then this er, earlier this year, I just uh, they made some changes to the road team, and I got asked to be the road tech. So. It's just crazy. Like, still, man. Damn. Yeah, How often? Uh, well, you mentioned you're working on the doc. They know you from the documentary. You're working on the documentary, the story of DJ of the DJ. Yeah, I've been working on a, a documentary about DJing for about four years. Now. I don't. I don't want to go so into that because I want to go back to Jazzy Jeff. But I do want to acknowledge that you you have a video background because you've been working on this documentary for like four years. Yeah, I have, I went to YouTube University. Um, <laughs> I, like when I started working on this doc, I was filming people, but like the first interview I did with Z Trip, he goes, so did you rent all this shit? And I go, nah, I bought all this shit. And he goes, damn. He goes, do you go to school for this? I go, nah. And he was like, damn. Like it just. So everything you learned, you got it from YouTube. Like literally either calling video homies and being like, what, look at this thing I shot. Like, I don't know what the fuck I did. And then he'd be like, oh, you're you know, blah, 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 blah. Or literally just Googling shit. Like I taught myself Final Cut. Like all the, you know, you, you just setting up an interview and you just watch a thing like don't forget to do that i'm like oh i'm making fucking notes wow. um which is kind of how most people learn shit nowadays i think mm -hmm. like i mean i don't think anybody out there is really like oh i could pay 30 dollars to learn how to run a podcast it's kind of it's, like, it's kind of frustrating but it's kind of good too at the same time yeah i mean you know? if you if you if you want to learn this is the gift and the curse of the internet if you want to learn it information is there so yeah. You know, I would like look up camera gear and sound gear and how do you do certain shit, and mm -hmm. whatever. So, th so then you would be on the road. How often do you go on the road with Jazz? Uh, now, I mean, he has he does about 150 dates a year. So that's broken into a couple big tours. Like we uh, we go to South America next month, and then we do like six weeks in like Europe and Asia and Australia. So take me through your day. I'm just curious at what you have to do. Like you yeah. wake up. Yeah. What yeah. Do you, I just so like leading well, like leading up to the tour. So for example, like we have to go to South America next month. So there'll be a point where I'll start to get copied on emails for the shows, itineraries, and yeah, everything. like hey Bob, this is Jeff's road team. Zimmy's going to handle tech, and I'll go through. I'll send over. How, how many is in the team? I'm on tech. Chris is on photo video. Steve is on tour manager slash security, and then Jeff, and then Dane Jordan, who's his MC. Wow. So. um you know, I'll send over the tech writer, let me know if there's any issues, make sure they got the mixer index and all that shit. And then, you know, any technical concerns or if it's a weird type of setup, like it's a festival stage, it's on a fucking boat, like whatever. 
we get to town. So we so I fly to Jeff's. We fly to wherever we're going, and then we sort out sound check. So I'll, I'll probably go to the sound check myself, make sure everything's all good, the gear. I mean, sometimes shit's janky, so I'm, like, literally rewiring the whole fucking setup and tables and making sure everything's exactly the way Jeff likes it. Yeah. Um, and then I come back and basically tech the show, uh, coordinate with the opening DJs, change over, stuff like that. And then during the set, if there's any problems, just try to sort that out on the fly. Anybody needs anything, we're kind of like all on call. And then Chris shoots, Jeff DJs, Dane MCs, me and Steve kind of watch the stage and then basically break down, get everything back and to the next gig. And, and sometimes it's like five, six, seven gigs in a week, sometimes wow. in a different country every what's night. Uh, what's mm-hmm. Jazzy Jeff's uh, preference? And uh, right now, the, the, setup? the 1200s or the Pioneer, the PLX 1000s, the Pi- basically the Pioneer 1200 yeah. and the S9. But we've, we have been using the 12s. A lot on the road for festivals, and we're what is that? The rain, the yeah, rain, the, con- the needle so the rain, joints. So the rain, you can use a rain on a Pioneer mixer. Yeah, it's basically um, on the seventy-two. There's three USBs, so you run the one USB in your computer. You run the two twelves into the other two USBs. If you're using a different mixer, you just need a USB hub. You run the twelves into a hub in your joint, and you run the mixer into your holy shit. Hub. So you yeah. need to bring a USB hub if you have a pioneer, and that's and that's another part of it is just like having all that shit. So if you don't road. have like an S nine, then you're pretty much you need to bring a USB hub or some shit. Like if you have an S nine and twelves, you need a USB hub. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, Amazon Prime now just like yeah. yeah. Do you like do you order like three of everything? No, no. I mean, the, the nice thing is Jeff's at a level where. If there's a problem or we're doing a festival, they have extra tech or there's a guy or we trouble. I mean, we've all troubleshooted shit on the fly. Like, we've all DJed yeah, yeah. and the turntable mm-hmm. fucking died. So you do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get through the show. If a turntable dies, it's, like, not necessarily my fault. If there's another one, I'll get it swapped out fast. But at the same time, like, every turntable's got, you know, whatever. So you just, whatever happens, you just try to sort it out on the fly. Mm-hmm. Has it has, uh, anything ever been <coughs> fucked up? Like, like cra- what's the craziest shit like, that has happened live? Um, people are just dumb. So that's the biggest thing is human error. Like we'll get a call to do a show. I sort out the tech, I I confirm we land. Hey man, as soon as I land, I usually touch base. Hey man, we're here. I'll be down at six 30 for sound check. Everything all good. Yeah. Yeah. We got the gear. We're all good. And maybe it's like a particular setup with the mics or whatever. Maybe we got like an extra MC or something and we get there and it's literally like no one read the memo. So I'm literally, I'm literally, there's an opening, you know, we were in New York for this thing. I was literally an opening DJ playing right there and I'm over here on rewiring all the sound and the mics on stage. And then like, sometimes it's cool. And sometimes we get to a point where I'm like, there's gonna be some dead air. Like your man's done. I got to move shit around. So someone's on the mic like, yo, just want to like, you try to fill it. Right. But it's, it's all because dude was like, yeah, yeah, we're good. And you get there and he's like, it's not, not, it's not fucking good. You know, but it's never like, oh yeah, we want to get there and there's CDJs. We're just like, we're not doing the show. Like, is that usually happening at like a nightclub, like in a nightclub setting, or it happens at festivals and shit like that? Festivals are the most professional because there's so much money. Festivals are cool because there's so much money riding on everything, and it's a it's a circuit. So if you're a sound guy, for example, and you fuck up Rihanna's vocals, it gets around. Mm-hmm. Like, don't hire your man because he fucked that shit up. So everyone's on their A game. Like, also, you got a bunch of performers when you're doing shows. Well, it depends. Like, sometimes it's a bunch of DJs. Sometimes it's we're going on right after a DJ and a singer. Sometimes it's you know whatever. It's like a weird instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but the festival thing is nice because it's like a you know they're going to do that one, and then two weeks later they're doing this other festival, and if they fuck up, their name gets around. So usually it's like pretty dialed in. The nightclubs and the random. I that's mean, if you, when you, I feel like in a nightclub, you, that's when you're gonna s- 
come through and then they're like, oh, well, this is what we usually have. Yeah. And, and all our other DJs yeah. work with it. Like, And, when, and there's like a language barrier and there's like the promoter barrier. So like sometimes we're in another country. We've got a translator. The promoter's like kind of like wacky. And like we're, we're walking that line of like uh, you need to have your man get away from Jeff with the selfies or we're going to choke him out. But we also need to be cool because he's paying the bill. Like yeah. you, sometimes right. there's, there's <laughs> you don't want to ruin every There's a personality thing where I'm like, you know, there's been instances where it's like the owners, girls are on stage doing a thing. And I'm like trying to be as nice as possible. Like you have to get your girl like physically off of Jeff the nicely like you know and that's just that's like a little aikido you kind of yeah. have to do sometimes but most most of the time like at the money they're paying people are very respectful they're very happy to have jeff the crowds are good like we're pumped so it's it's not like when i worked with bands in high school and we'd get to a show and it was like a you know complete duct tape job and like yeah. whatever so <laughs> you enjoy doing it love it really i mean i love traveling um and i love new experiences and it's 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 I literally can't complain. It can be grueling. Like you can literally be on the road, just be like, "Yo, we we haven't gotten more than four hours of sleep in a week." And oh, it catches yeah. like there's the first time I was on the road, we got to Manchester and we had like two days off in Manchester, and I was all like, "What are we gonna do?" Because I'd never been there. I'm like, "Yeah, let's fucking go do shit." What are we gonna do? And everyone's like, well, "Fuck it, sleep." What? <laughs> and we got there and everyone slept like two days. Like we slept and did laundry and that was it. And I was like, "I want to go explore." And they were like, "You just wait till we get to Manchester." It was like Sunday and we got there like Thursday. Fucking out, just like sleep for twelve hours, get up, do your laundry, eat food, go right back to fucking bed. Damn, I mean, you know how it is. Like it's, it catches up, yeah. and sometimes the food, like you know, you you had to get from A to B to C real fast, and it's like, well, we're in the airport, and there's Mc, McDonald's. Cool, let me get two double cheeseburgers and get in the car. Sometimes it's like, yo, we got a gourmet dinner, and it's like all baller, yeah. but it's just whatever the circumstances. Right. Sometimes you got two shows in a day. You know. What's your favorite uh, country you visited so far? Sometimes it's beef jerky, right? Yeah, beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> mechanically, mechanically chicken. Mechanically, mechanically chicken. separated chicken. How the uh, fuck did you eat that? That show's amazing. Um, favorite countries? We we I just just in Croatia for the first time, which was amazing. Oh, nice. Um, Africa. We were in Africa, which was really oh, dope. Wow. Um, uh, what part of Af- what, what part of Africa? We were in Nairobi, Kenya. Nice. And like every, you know, they're like like we got down there it was like the president. Like people were waiting at the airport and like. Like, we rolled to this spot, and there's, like, literally warthogs out the spot, and, like, dudes with AK-47s, but, like, we're, like, and everyone just super, everyone's super, in a lot of other countries, people are a lot less jaded, so when you come through to do the gig, they're, like, they actually give a fuck you're there, and they care about the music, mm-hmm. whereas, so like, cool. you, you know, you have Jesus DJs in America, they're, like, I, don't know, I might go, I might not, like, I don't know, like, get down there, <laughs> tell me if it's cool. Um, have you gone to Tokyo? We go to to- I've I've been to Tokyo not with Jeff but we go to Asia we go to Tokyo this this fall. That's um, dope. I mean, wasn't um Jeff and Will Smith supposed to go on tour together this summer? They did some gigs in Croatia last year, and we get offers all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's basically Will is one of the biggest actors in the world. Yeah. So like, it's not that he doesn't want to do them. It's he doesn't have time. Hey, we're doing whatever i am legend 2 i'm just making that up i don't even know if that's no, a movie yeah. and it's nine months of production oh, and shit it's there's gonna be an i am legend 2 <laughs> no you didn't hear that yet. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first folks but like but like you know it pays x and it takes up nine months and yeah. he just can't say no uh, right. or whatever so we try to we get offers and it, if we can fit him into the fucking dates like bing 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 but mm-hmm. it is what it is it's yeah. like you know so does um 
does Jeff always do the Peter Piper in every performance? No, uh, every performance is different. Like we did. Uh, Fuck you! Don't laugh at me, cricket. We did, for example, we did uh, London recently, and we did a, a day party at um, on this rooftop deck of this really dope hotel, and then we did a music festival, and the festival was like all R and B. So the day party on the roof was like all up tempo. Like we were playing like fucking house remixes of this is america and like anderson pack records yeah and then at night like we went on and it was like five thousand people in the tent like jeff started with like fucking tenderoni like that kind of <laughs> shit and that and that was that kind of set the tone but that was the gig yeah. some gigs are like yo it's just which, play which tenderoni chromio or <laughs> bobby brown no yeah like some like some shit like that like like call Tyrone type shit and I, we just kind of <laughs> went up from there mm-hmm. sometimes it's like straight club some like when we played Dubai it was like very commercial club yeah sometimes it's like 90s hip hop shit it's just like you know whatever the gig is and they tell us beforehand That's amazing yeah. do you have the inside scoop is Matt Skills still go with uh, Jeff to his gigs or not really Skills is doing his own thing now he's in uh, he's DJing right now right yeah he's and he's back and forth I think between like Virginia and LA just mm-hmm. DJing a bunch and I, I don't know if he's still writing and rapping he at all he just did a song he put out a song called In a Minute it's pretty dope uh, that's weird I, I kind of like that dynamic when uh, when uh, Skills was with, with Jazzy Jeff. It was the best uh, MC DJ work in a long time. I mean, I don't know. It's I mean. it's it is interesting on the road for me to see how. Thank you. See how um, much a, a, a good MC can accent a DJ set. Yeah, especially if you guys work together. Because I mean, you know, there's times where you're like, I'm just playing records. I don't have anything to show, and I'm not scratching, and I don't have a routine. But it's thank you. It's mm-hmm. nice to have. It's nice to see that, like, oh, we're going to do a whole little thing, but you can kind of almost, like, talk people through it, and it makes, like, it makes really good sense, and you can, like, pump them up for it. Like, yeah. you know something's coming, so that's... There's something great about that, because I feel like I free ball, like, I don't know about you guys, but when we're DJing in our sets, we free ball a lot, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, we obviously have our routines, or not routines, but we have, our like, our sets, mm-hmm. and then we we get on the mic and we do certain things, but I... I, I I w- would love to work with like a dude who was either on the mic or. Oh or man, I mean, yeah, but if you, if you think yeah. about hip hop too, like the groups that had a dope DJ and a dope MC, they would give the DJ some shine. So it's kind of like one of those things. Like yeah. you can really hype the crowd up. Yeah, you know what I mean. If you know what you're doing, so it's 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 nice to see that. Like it's mm-hmm. really interesting, especially seeing so many of like guys just DJing solo or girls just DJing solo. We went to see um, Cipher Sounds at one of his comedy shows, and he was uh, opening for uh, Michael Shea. And then they have at the end of the show, there's like a 20 minute routine where they go through like hip hop songs, <laughs> it's fucking and it's cool. like a it's a great shtick. It's like a great thing that they do, and uh, it's a great gag. And and uh, we went backstage to, to hang with them for like like maybe like five, five. minutes or something. Mm-hmm. But they were like, you know, when you when you do that. When you take the song out, you know, make sure you don't take it out too early. Yeah. And it, it was just the, the way they were trying to perfect the set. Oh, absolutely. For, even for comedy, I was just like, man, that's really fucking dope. Like, yeah. the little things that Michael Shea, like, well, noticed. Com- you know, comedy you know? is all timing. And, yeah. de- and DJing, mm-hmm. yeah. DJing is timing, too. Like, you build the crowd up to that certain point, and then you hit him with whatever, and you see a bad DJ. You ever see a bad DJ play three songs in a row, and he needed to switch, he or she needed to switch two of them? Like you listen to him go, you didn't realize that was that sample or like that drum pattern, but you're like, your fucking timing is like all weird or you played it for too long or you didn't play it for, your crowd goes nuts. You just don't play it for long enough. 
mm-hmm. like timing is really important with all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can yeah. imagine that they would really sort that out. But I just miss that, like uh, I guess the camaraderie of just like perfecting a set or whatever like yeah. that. I don't think I don't think we've ever done that before. But I mean, I would love yeah. to like that whole D because when you look at DJ duos nowadays, besides like two cents, I feel like they're not really taking advantage of that. Nah. Half the time it's just two people yeah. sharing like a laptop, like it's kind of weird. Yeah. Or just like just doing a set and like yeah. you play two songs, I play two songs. You there should yeah. be you should need that like when you see like a DJ with a drummer, like the drummer should add something the DJ can't do. Like it's right. you know what I mean? Like so the second DJ should be like, Oh, now we can do all that like Hall and Mason were a good example. They would do like two by four sets and they had all these instrumentals and acapellas because it was still like they were ripping all these records. So they could go in and out of different instrumentals under the same Like it was totally, they were doing it live, like the live remixing. Mm-hmm. Then you see people just like, you play a song, I play a song. It's like, right. what the f- like, I just need one of you guys. I don't need both of you. Mm. You're not adding anything. So, <laughs> did you ever check out Raw when Raw was still open at the Luxor before it was LAX? No. So I remember Warren Peace and Mr. Bob, like they used to be pretty dope. I was like, not even 21 yet, but Mr. Bob is a local guy, does radio. Yeah. Hot 97. And um, war, obviously, you know, War and Peace. Yeah, yeah. But they would, it was like uh, their their timing, like Bob on the mic and him doing records was used to be yeah. crazy. But I haven't seen that in Vegas since, to be honest. But it was just, you know, having a, a DJ and MC. That's probably the last time I saw it in Vegas. I mean, but again, yeah. now you have the DJ fucking just on the mic, like yelling a bunch. So it's like they're their own MC. Like mm-hmm. they're playing, you know, just fucking EDM bangers. It's not the same. Oh, though. it's not. But, you know, nah. they've kind of just, they know they yeah. need to add something else. You can't just play EDM bangers. They've got to, like, yell whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck. I mean, I'm, I, I kind of want to talk about uh, this documentary you're working on because we were talking about, you showed us a, a clip. Yes. And it, it looks amazing. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. It looks yeah. really amazing. And it, you, you're basically going through the timeline of of the the beginning, the essence of DJing, how it started, uh, I guess, in the 70s, and how it evolved through time to where we are right now. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, that's a pretty extent, that's a pretty long time to cover. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely would have uh, probably been... <laughs> For my first project, better off starting with like, hey, I'm doing a documentary about one guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the storyline right now is, you know, the, a lot happened before like 1969, but we're going to run through that really fast. Just like the, the documentary primarily focuses on DJs in the context that we know them today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and, nine, and there you had guys like Wolfman Jack and Casey Kasem and guys on doing pirate radio on BBC and John Peel. And those guys are important, but they weren't really DJs like we think of them today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start with kind of like your Danny Krivitz and your Francis Grosso's and your Larry Levans and your David Mancuso's in New York um, and just kind of come up through all the styles and all the genres, hip-hop, how that came about, mm-hmm. you know, your um, all the 1520 Sedgwick and all that stuff you guys know about and just New York City radio, yeah. disco, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I, mean, what, I mean, look, I mean, how did it start for you? How, how did you want to start this? So... I don't know how many years ago, maybe six years ago, I wrote this because article. Because there had to be like one. Okay, you yeah, wrote, I wrote this article. One thing, right? I wrote this article called "The End of DJing," and it was based, <laughs> yeah, remember that, yeah. it was based <laughs> on a discussion that I had had with Riz and Siz. Mm-hmm. And Riz said something like, "Oh yeah, when when DJing's over." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, like whenever fucking who said that Riz? Riz. He was oh, like, wow. "Well, you don't have to do this anymore." And Riz, they were kind of both. They they were in agreement. Like you could tell they had had this conversation before, and they kind of talked about like, yeah, when when they don't need us to do this anymore. Like basically saying when that generation of guys retire, the next generation like, 
you know, kind of just like slowing it down and scaling it back and DJing as we know it kind of ending, which was really interesting to me. So I kind of wrote an wait, article. Wait, wait, wait. Break it down again? I'm a little lost. <laughs> DJing was a, at a really interesting point like six, seven years ago because a bunch of things had changed. Um, and this was one thing I kind of, an insight that I learned talking to Stone and Graham. Um, DJing was changing because of technology, um, but also because radio was changing. Uh, bottle service culture was changing dance floors. So mm -hmm. social media and cell phones were changing how people go out. So all this stuff was happening at one time that was taking DJing in the sense that we knew it of, I go out, I play these records, people come see me, all this stuff. Dance, right. dance floors being a certain way, the different styles of DJing was really changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And music consumption was changing, MP3s, streaming radio, things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so part of the discussion was, you know, Riz said, Oh, I just found an old crate of disco records I got. Like really amazing stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. I got like thousands of disco records. You want them? And I go, oh, absolutely. I love disco. And he goes, you know how many people I tell that to? And they say, just give me like, you know, 20 or 30, like whatever like works. Like kids look at music differently today too. So like right. all these things, he, they were kind of saying it's going to factor together to one day like we're not really going to be necessary. You're going to get to a point where like music that you go out to hear is just going to be like, we got it. We got a fucking playlist of DJs itself, like something, something, something. So I started to think about this a lot. So I kind of put together this article of like factors that were happening. D all this, so all this you're basically stuff. saying in a nutshell, at some point technology is going to take over to the point that there doesn't even need to be a physical being there. Not, the not, even, not even necessarily technology because I kind of rounded the article out to like, even if you just look at radio, you hired an actual DJ, like someone who knew about music uh -huh. to help program direct what people heard. Right. Mm -hmm. But when Clear Channel took over, like if you watch the corporate FM documentary, which is amazing, it's crushing, you see like, oh yeah, well we can just figure out we need to play this many songs an hour, come in in the morning and do your calls, in, your call-ins, we'll put it into the system and have a nice weekend. So the actual person you hired on the radio to be like, oh, it's the rock weekend. So here's a Boston song I love. No, they know like we need to play this Boston song because XYZ label has an agreement with whatever. So all these different facets of DJing changed. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, you know, even, even how you go get gigs, I talk about DJ rosters, managers, like all this different marketing that was kind of happening at one point. So like all these things together just kind of. I don't think DJs will ever stop being needed in DJing, but I was like, basically the, the way you kind of know things is ending and what's going to be the new thing is not really that sex anymore. It's not mm -hmm. enticing for kids. Mm -hmm. So I write this article. So I put it out. It goes mega viral. Like, bro like broke the server my website was on viral. And everyone was hitting me. People I never had any contact with, Spinna, Big Daddy Kane, people were like hitting me like, yo, thank you. Like we've been thinking about this. You kind of put everything we were talking about into like one thing and I can just like send it to my man. So Jeff hit me and goes, you got everyone's ear. What are you going to do now? Mm -hmm. And what I thought about was I had people hit me who go out on Friday night, no DJs, listen to a lot of music know nothing about DJing. Like in the article, I referenced different archetypes of people. And one of them was like the girl who goes to the club on Friday night, same club, every Friday, has a great time, can't tell you who the DJ was. Mm -hmm. And my friend called me and goes, I'm that girl. I didn't even realize I was that girl. I go to this place every weekend. I can't do the fuck's DJing. I've been going there for like three years. It's been the same DJ. I know it has. I could see the guy's face. I don't know who the fuck he is. So I said, so I just started asking people, man, about DJing. And people didn't know anything. Even DJs didn't know anything about DJing. So I just started 
I said, I gotta, I gotta write a story. Like, I gotta make a movie about. Like, what would you ask in DJs that they didn't know? <laughs> Yo, I was just be like, I, I would ask DJs when did DJing start, and they just were coming up with the wild ass answers, even something that simple. Mm-hmm. But then once I started to learn more about it, I'd ask them specific questions, I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck that is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So. So I started just doing more homework, and the, the more I learned, the more it became a rabbit hole. My first interview with Danny Crivet was actually really revealing because I hadn't really written the full story. And he goes, were you talking about this? And I was like, no. And he's like, you're talking about that? And I was like, no. And I realized I had, I had a lot to learn, so I just I dug in. So you was learning also while you was doing this? Fam. And you movie. just start reading. You start reading Last Night at, Last Night at DJ Saved My Life, The yeah, Disco great Files. Book. I love that book. Man, you just and you just learn, and everything turns into something else. Mm-hmm. And then I do an interview, and it had six more topics. Like I do an interview with a guy, and he tells me about um, Walter Gibbons producing these various records for these labels. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes another rabbit hole. Yeah. And I just try to organize the notes. So it just became this thing where I realized it got like beyond my scope. So I was working on it, and then... Long story short, I kept hitting up Kevin Kerslake for advice, mm-hmm. who made the AM doc and he made the Joan Jet doc and EDC doc and all these great, great. He shot a bunch of music videos, and I just said, I kept asking him questions. And one day I was just like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Nothing. I just sold this doc. I'm just like hanging out." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Do you want to work on this with me?" He goes, "Oh yeah, that sounds fucking rad." Like I couldn't believe it because he has all these credits and he's all accomplished, and I'm like Joe Schmo. Yeah. So we just been talking and putting stuff together to basically say like, yeah, we can finish this on our own 10 years from now, or we can just take it to a Netflix and Amazon, a Hulu or whatever and say, here's what we want to do. We've shot this much. This is the rest of the story. Can you guys help us get it over the goal line? So that's kind of where we're at. That's probably going to happen next month. He's fully confident seeing what I've shown him that we're not going to have a problem, quote unquote, selling it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just stepping the quality of everything up and kind of, I just want to do the story justice. Like I don't want to show it. And then a guy goes, definitely, definitely you forgot, do you forgot Detroit? And I'm like, Oh shit. Sorry, Detroit. <laughs> Are you going to piss some people off? Of well, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's, that sounds like a huge undertaking, man. <laughs> it's been about four years. I've just been, I don't I've, I don't even think you tapped the surface. Yeah. I, I know. Think, yeah. I think you got like probably at least another three to four years. Well, we made, we made a, a wish list of, Interviews we wanted to do, like people we wanted to um, interview, mm-hmm. places, topics, and we kind of knew what we had, what we didn't have. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. But, but it's 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 rewarding work. Like like I have stories that I know won't even make it into the film that are just like gold that I have to like figure out what I'm doing with. Like Warren. Well, you just have to edit it, get it ready, and then oh, when yeah. that person dies, you can uh, play it. Yeah, like War- <laughs> Warren. Or, or maybe save it for a book. <laughs> like Warren told me his Tupac story. Like I got it on film, and I'm like, this doesn't go in the War film. Warren Peace? Yeah. yeah. But it's like an extra, you know. So, like there's all these just, I mean, dude, like we talked about earlier, the stories that people told me, I had Danny Crivet walk me through going out to a nightclub in like 1975. Mm-hmm. It like hurts. Because it's so drastically different than today you realize like those parties are never coming back and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of merits to certain parties today but like trying to describe to someone the night you would have they can't grasp it because they're so stuck on their phone and they're still stuck on they they Mm -hmm. show up with expectations so they describe these parties and it's just like those are the best parties that ever i mean in my opinion that ever happened i mean dude do you remember djing an epic night or going and experiencing an epic night 
and just keeping it to yourself or telling your boy yeah. and how excited you were telling your boy. Yeah. And none of it it's, had to do with like social media or having my phone taking documents or pictures of it. I mean, even Warren said the nice thing about like I asked him what the best time to go see a DJ was. And he talked about um, when electronic music was kind of getting popping, like groups like the Prodigy and stuff like that. He said there were parties you would go to and this was like way pre social media and whatever. So if you were going to see the Prodigy and Carl Cox and 808 State, it's because you were legitimately a fan. Like you had done some legwork to find out about the show. Mm-hmm. And you just went to the show, and it was all like-minded people that were like, "Well, we're all so into this." Not like I got free tickets, or I heard it's a cool party, or whatever. So the whole vibe of everyone going was just like just to see that performance. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. when I started going to clubs, I used to go to clubs to see the DJ, see who whoever was DJing. That's who I was going to check out. Yeah, we still do that though. I, I was I was the same way. But think, but think, it's but not think, like the same though. Think man. about it this way. Think about it this way. The one of the recurring themes that kept coming up with the guys I interviewed who DJed in the 70s and 80s specifically started then were the the expectation and the trust level is 180 where it was today. So first off, you had no expectations. You weren't going to the party expecting anything to happen. You were open to whatever happened. Mm-hmm. You were going to a party maybe for eight or 10 hours. They had food there. It was like <laughs> real comfortable. It was like a, it was too 99 or something to get into Paradise Garage, like something crazy like that. Damn. But also, you trusted the DJ. You were going to hear a particular guy. You were going to hear DST at the Roxy or Francois K or Danny Crivet because not only did you know you you liked whatever they played, even though if you didn't maybe know what it was, but you knew there were certain records they only had. Mm-hmm. That's why the whole Frankie Crocker conversation started. Frankie Crocker realized, no, I can get into these parties downtown. I can hear what Larry LeVan's playing. Mm-hmm. This song isn't going to be big for three months, six months. He was breaking records. And that's when the, the, rec- yeah. the record industry was going, Manu Dubongo is fucking certified gold, and we don't have it on any radio airplay. What's going on? Because people were going to the record store Sunday after hearing Larry LeVan play it Saturday mm-hmm. and fucking buying it. And they're like, we're sold out again. We're not playing this on the radio. It was a Canadian record. They had to relicense it for the U.S. just to start making the money off of it mm-hmm. that's how much the dj was influencing whatever people were listening to mm-hmm. yeah it's completely different you don't i don't come to i do but becky from idaho doesn't come to the club to hear crooked and go i'm just i, I crooked's always got the new shit she's gonna go on go on rihanna has a song out i've been listening to it at the gym i've been listening to it getting ready to go to the club we listen to it on the way to the club walking in the club and like the clock has fucking started until you fucking play the song uh-huh. not mm-hmm. <laughs> play whatever you want. You know more about music than me. There's an expectation. So it's kind of flipped. And I know that kind of sounds like old head talk, but I think that still exists. I see that with like the house music guys I go see and other guys that are like more selectors. I'm like, yeah, we're whores. Fam, I'm going like, I don't know what any of this shit is. Dude, the story I remember, I went to Beyond Wonderland in sou- Southern California, the big uh, Insomniac Music Festival with Jeff. Mm-hmm. Plastic Plates was playing dude from Australia or New Zealand I think Australia he started Graham Funky had just finished me and Graham were gonna go get food I'm like yo you ready let's go eat dude play some record Graham's like fuck is this so we like stood there for a minute like trying to figure it out trying to shazam it there's like no cell service alright fuck it let's go eat we start walking down the stairs next song comes in fuck is this like walked back up the stairs 
okay, you go ask him what it is. All right, cool. So I go over, I'm like, hey, man, fucking killing it. What is this? Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's that. Oh, cool. Thanks. All right, let's go eat. Whoa, hold on. Walk back up. Okay, it's your turn. So Graham would go over, fuck, is this? Dude, he wasn't doing anything technical crazy. Every song he played was like the illest song I ever heard in my life. We just couldn't leave the stage. He only played for like an hour. But every song was he was, getting mad at you guys? <laughs> no, at the end he was he was so so cool. Mm-hmm. He showed up with like two thumb drives and a fucking ball of Patron and was just having a great time. But he had the illest selections ever. I still see that happening, just not like here in the main club. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. generally speaking, like the general population perception of a DJ is, oh, you work for me. Like I'm going to come to the club. It's my birthday. I want to hear fucking you know ape shit right now. Like yeah. how many songs until ape shit because we're leaving. I want my name shouted out. Versus like, yeah. yo, I just found this record. It's bananas. I cannot wait to play it. And they go, what is this? Who's DJing? It was Zimmy. Zimmy always has the crazy shit. We got to go back next week. What else you got for me? Even like genres they like, like 90s R&B, you can't even really go left field because they're like, fuck is this? I'm like, this is Portrait. You should know this song. <laughs> <laughs> like you're at a 90s R&B night. This is a 90s R&B song or it's New Jack Swing or whatever. Like. I know more than you do. Trust me. Like, like, can we have a little bit of trust here? I swear to God, I'm not going to play like a reggae record. I know what I'm doing. That's it. <laughs> Sorry if it got real depressing right there for a second. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really hear <laughs> what you were saying. Can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> we're still sorting out the tech for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, geez, I mean, so much of what you're saying is right. And it's, it's uh, the question is, where do we go from here? And then what I I'm still a little stumped on what you said Riz said where the D, what did you say the DJ's DJ over. is over. He's like when basically at the end he he said very casually like didn't even think he said at the end of DJing. End of DJing. And I said what do you mean the end? He's like well, we're not when it's like not DJs anymore. And he was like mm-hmm. and Jeff says stuff like this sometimes too like when me and Jeff and like me being Riz and Tony Touch and fucking Stretch and whoever retire the next generation of guys aren't going to throw the parties that they're throwing. They're not going to do the things. They're just, you know, DJing is going to do a big change from the DJing we know where mm-hmm. you're going to APT and you're going to these parties and seeing this stuff, Funk Flex and these guys, the next person, it's going to be a big w- wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when, like, the hard hands was starting uh, – the fucking fake DJing was starting. Like a lot of stuff was changing and people were kind of looking at DJing a little sideways and the public's perception changed. People would see DJs on TV or on something. And it was like, I think credibility was very questionable too. Not that any of the relevant people weren't still working and doing all the things. They just, they weren't associating DJing with that. They were associating DJing with there's a person on stage and I don't know. I'm really curious. Uh, to go to like a college party now and have like a local college DJ. Do you want, it, like you want me to party? tell you what that looks like? Cause I've seen Why? it. What is it? Well, first off, first off. Well, I mean, well, what do you expect to, what would you expect to find? I don't know. I, I'm curious to Number hear one, they're going to be on a controller. They're going to be on whatever right. controller is $200. Uh-huh. That's typically what I see like when I go to these things. I don't blame them. I, they're I typically on like a $200 controller and they're typically just plowing through the radio. With no no concept of like arc or energy right. or or key or anything like they're going from a trap record to a whatever record to a whatever. It's I mean, dude, I hear guys where it's like we're at one eighteen, we're at ninety four, we're at seventy, we're at one nineteen. Like, sure. I hear, I hear this. But I mean, 
shouldn't it kind of be like that in the in those beginning stages a little bit? <clears throat> here's 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 a, like a, just an in, a concept that blew my mind, and we're, this is never going to come back, but I'm just going to like point it out. Right. Graham Graham pointed this out to me when you started DJing with vinyl, right? You, there's a physical and there's like a financial like barrier. You had to have enough records to DJ at night, so you had to go buy the records. So by the time you had bought enough records to go DJ a four-hour night, you had actually messed around with the records for so long, you were like, okay. You still sucked, but you could mix two records together. You kind of knew, like, this record's 95, this record's, like, 92. We can kind of make it work. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, yo, what do you do on Saturday? Do you want to DJ the kegger at the party? Sure. What do I got to do? Let's go to Guitar Center and get a controller. Let's ask the guy what we got to do. I'm DJing. There's no, like, don't leave the house yet, yo. Mm -hmm. I don't know if how much you guys travel and the openers. We talk about openers a lot. I always want to be impressed. I always want to meet new people. I want to network. So when we're on the road, I want the opening DJ. I want to be like, yo, man, fucking dope. Like, we should swap some music. Like, your set was really cool. Unfortunately, a lot of times, a lot of guys that I see, a lot of girls I see, are complete dog shit. Most we're at a big club. It's a big night. Maybe you're opening up for a big DJ. And you are train wrecking every song. Still, train you are wrecking? you are your song selection makes no sense. You are beating people over the head with the wrong music. Mm -hmm. Z Trip has stories about this. He goes, "You booked Z Trip and blah blah, and you could play anything. You could open up and play jazz records because it's a Z Trip party, and the guys in there playing Pitbull's greatest hits." And he's like, "I got to go up and give him the shoulder and be like, fam." Play whatever you want. I want to. I want to hear you. And if you're not doing you, I go home thinking that's you. I don't even know if I could do that anymore. Just play uh, whatever you want. Play what you want to play. Yeah. Do you if think I you know how you, to do you that? You say that. You yeah, say that. I feel. I kind of agree with you. When you when you get a little taste of I'm having a good time, it just takes over. If I say, I want you to just think about your first record and pretend there's nobody here, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna play fucking. Papa Large, East Coast I, Mix. I, and I just let you go, it happens. I feel like the prostitute that's been like whoring so long and that's been hooking so long <laughs> that I start to get pride on how many tricks I could turn in a night. You know what I mean? <laughs> or how many or how many cocks I sucked or you know what I mean? Yeah. Pause. Do you feel me like even when like, you know, like let's say I don't like you know what I mean? Like where I've been in the dog shit for so long like what did Dave Chappelle say My mileage on a hoe yeah <laughs> your mileage on a hoe my mileage yeah. I don't know. high up there, well I'm just know. kind of like yo like I've been whoring so long this, yeah. for this, these this. for these fucking uh, for these big wigs and all of these money people that I don't even know if you told me you said look I'm, op I'm opening a club I'm gonna pay you $10,000 and you play whatever you want I'm gonna be like I would be scared out of my fucking no, no, mind. Here's, so here's one thing that I learned in my career. I was kind of you. Sa you said this. You're the actual person that said this. We were sitting at the bar one night after gig. You had had a couple. You had seventy two Belvedere's, and you said, <laughs> and you said, some dudes just ain't built for the club. You said that, and we, we were having a conversation about like the musical flow and the fucking hours and all that thing. You said some people just aren't built for the club. And I think for a long time, I was there was definitely a change in music. I think the 2000s, it was still good to DJ. Like you could still dip into your open format bag a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think there was definitely a point mm -hmm. in music where I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like going to a thing and I have to play. I hate all the music I'm playing. Yeah. And I think I just I was fortunate enough to have the opportunities to not have to do that. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked this about before the podcast, like having other 
sources of income where you don't have to go play Nicki Minaj at Chuck's Bar and Grill Friday night if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just started hanging out with more people that were doing what they loved. It, it really like reignited me. My homie Eddie Mack from Australia, um, guys like Spinna, guys like Rich Medina, like seeing people go up, guys like in San Francisco, like my homie King Most, and people that cricket throwing these parties where they're like, yeah, I can go, I can make that money if I want to, I can go play fucking turn up, but I do a fucking, you know, disco party, Adam 12 with Giorgio's in in LA. Like Mm -hmm. I do a disco party on Thursday nights and it doesn't make the most money, but I'm so fucking happy because what happened with me was like, I have a radio show and I run this like private record pool and do a couple things where like I was getting all this music that I couldn't play. Sharing the music was just as good to me as getting the music. Like, yo, here's the illest track ever. And if I couldn't do something with it, it was like, you got the most amazing cock in the world and no one to fuck. Like, swear to God. So I just, I, had a, I needed an outlet. I needed to be like, yo, for, take all this music. So for me, it was like seeing people that were happy and kind of making a little bit of money and doing their thing with these parties. And, and it, downtown Las Vegas is where it's at. Like, yo, we just do a bass night. We just do a drum and bass night, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's in you. All that shit's in you. But if you don't flex that muscle, it gets... You know, entropy or whatever. Well, let's entropy. Let's uh, let's dwell on this for a little bit. The question I want to ask: Like, I want you to throw the party. Like, I want you to be like, "Yo, oh yeah, me and Never do a Tuesday night downtown, and we play." My man throws an eighty-eight to ninety-two party. And if you play a song that came out January first, nineteen ninety-three, no, he's in. He's two hours south. If you play a song that came out January 1st, 1993, they will fucking yank you off the decks. But it's the funnest party because people, like, do their homework. They're in there like, oh, fam, I got the sample, and I got the thing, and I got the whatever. Like, I want you guys to have that as your vacation time. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, I had to play Travis Scott all weekend, and I'm going to blow through these fucking 90s R&B records. Well, here's a really deep question, and I ask myself this sometimes. And I want to ask you guys and see what you think and what your answer is. If you got to DJ whatever you wanted, right, for the whole night, but not many people showed up, is it even worth doing it? Do you understand what I'm saying? And what does that mean? Does that mean that you need the energy of a crowd? You need the validation of people dancing all the time? You know, and that and that's the question is that if you could DJ, are you there for DJing or are you there to make the crowd move? Because I don't know if like, and then also after kind of like doing nightclubs and all of this, I think sometimes I have uh, an animosity for music or like I, I'm just tired of music where I don't want to DJ. You're, it's the you wrong, know? it's the wrong. Yo, <clears throat> quick story. I interviewed Danny Crivet. He's like, I'm DJing these sets and I'm playing this music and people are coming up to me like, what the fuck are you playing this for? like switch the record, whatever. And he goes, there were songs I loved. I knew that I liked the song and I knew I had good taste. And he specifically references the song by War, City Country City. And he goes, playing these records and people keep going like every, every other record, they're like, nah. I finally got to go to Paradise Garage for the, f- or I finally got to get to the loft for the first time. Uh-huh. I got an invite. I walk in the door and the next record I hear is City Country City. And it's the biggest record of the night. People are hanging from the fucking rafters. And I talked to David Mancuso about it. And David goes, you're playing for the wrong crowd. He goes, you, and this, I had the same conversation with Rich Medina. I had the same conversation with Spinna. You have to play what you want for the people that want it. And it will be rewarding. 
And I and I and like yes, it's it, right now. It sounds like oh, I'm gonna play this thing. You guys know enough people, and everyone feels the same way about the strip yeah, music. Yeah. If you guys did your fucking Tuesday night downtown, and you'd played your yo new new like literally keeping New York everywhere. If you just did a New York night, motherfuckers would come out and the look on the look on your face. You remember like ten years ago when Flugmaster Flex did Fourth of July, four hours of '90s mm-hmm. hip hop all vinyl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just remember Peter Rosenberg coming in and going, your face right now, you are so fucking hype. Like he would just kept talking about how Flex was like a different man. Yeah. You would be hype. The first, you'd be thinking about it, uh, dusting off the fucking crates, and that would be, that would salvage you. I'm telling you, you, you love that shit. You love DJing. You love music. I know you guys. That ju- that, those muscles just need flexed. And once you start flexing, you'd be like, fam, I cannot wait for next week. Oh, it's a one-year anniversary. Let's bring out... Dude from New York, like, I'm telling you. Well, I mean, let me ask y'all one by one. Wh- what would y'all play? What would you sound like if you just were doing you? I don't know if you, any, anyone could really <laughs> answer it honestly yeah. and truthfully. Just, I could tell you. I would love to play, like, a, a disco um, dance, like, 80s R&B set. What about you, D? I would love to do, I would love to do uh, late 90s, early 2000s reggae. I just love reggae. What about you? Dance hall. I'm going off that. Really? Yeah. Girls love no, that. I would say. I would say. I'm no, sorry. No, I said you. What would you want to play? Come yeah, on, man. Dance hall, reggae. I've that's never, fuck the girls. I've never heard Jamie talk about dance hall. I never heard you talk about dance hall before. Yeah. I love that shit. I will change my years though. I'd probably go from like 91, 92 to probably like I'll do early late 2000s. 90s. What about you, Zim? I'm kind of with ne- I'm kind of with Neva like like I like my sweet spot is like the 110 115 disco funk boogie R&B like just whatever's like right around there mm-hmm. and there, but the, and there's like new stuff too so you can like slide in them K Tronada joints or whatever and just like the vibe you know that vibe was good yeah it's interesting a cool oh. pop one too mid 2000 just in Timberlake Timberland type of shit too that was, like a, that's a, that was a, such a good era of DJing, yeah, too. Right. But now it's like, yo, quit playing throwbacks. It's like, Usher, you don't have to call. It's the fucking joint. Right. Fuck girl. out of my face. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the question. How about, wait, wait. How about you, Crooked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? I do. My music taste is so all over the place. Sometimes I, w- I would love to do, like, play Blur. I would love to do, like, I would just love to play slow jams. And then sometimes like I would just. Like R&B, huh? slow jams? Yeah, like, like that last hour of the night. Like, you know, you used to do that. Like, wind yeah. that joint down and just like. I just don't, I don't want, I don't like when people limit shit. Like, I just don't like, I think it should be everything. That's why I don't even like, uh, I don't even like when something's like limited at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think, I, I just want there to be a total open thing where I could just all of a sudden just start playing Latin. Or just go into like maybe some jazz or like do something crazy. Mm-hmm. I just that's why I can't pick one genre because like I get totally bored. Like if I did an eighties R and B, I would love it. After like forty five minutes or an hour and a half, I'd be like, oh my god, this is hell because I feel like I'm constricted to like one thing. Yo, the right. the analogy that I always use is you guys are basically like master chefs, but someone hired you to make hot dogs. It doesn't mean you can't cook all the food. And you don't have right. that passion for food. You're just, you're just right now. The menu for the night is hot dogs. So I just want, I, and I try to inspire all my friends that are like, I know they got like the mm-hmm. dude. I had a dude that just did a twelve inch party. He goes, Yo, it's vinyl night. We just play twelve inches, like the actual twelve inch edits. Yeah. He goes, It's so fun. Like, and we're swapping files now. We're ripping each other's records. Like, mm-hmm. you just gotta have some of that in your life. Like, 
this is the I, I remember I back in New York I would talk to my boy uh, and he had a big uh, good music party like where he played good music like literally like Luther Vandross Stevie Wonder and I, I would go there on my nights off like I you know occasionally if I had a Friday Saturday off I would go to his party and I would go hang with him and it would be it would be fucking I would be ecstatic I was like oh my god I like I never get to hear this shit you know I never hear to hear Shaka Khan I never hear this shit and I talked with him at the end of the night one time and he was just like dude he's like what's worse like getting sick of the music that you love or hearing it once in a while and still loving it and I was like wow so you're like sick of all these songs he's like dude I'm so sick of hearing Luther Vandross. He I'm just, so sick. Yo, of he it. just don't have crates then because I. I no, dude. no, no. But like you know that when you're DJing those kind of, even when you're DJing those kind of parties, the go-to songs are still the go-to songs that people are gonna wild the fuck out to. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he's even sick of those songs that you know. But I'm just saying, like in anything, you're gonna get sick of it. You know. So, for me. I mean, I think that's even more sad. If I had to like DJ music that I legitimately loved, and it, and he, it, was he doing it every weekend? Yeah, he was doing. No, it every you got That's it's, different. It's man. all about but, the monthly. You, but then, but 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 when it becomes your bread and butter, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're making money off of it, and you and then. But that's like if you if you if you're like labeled Rich Medina, yeah. And you're like, damn man, I just want to do like a ratchet set, like a nightclub set or strip club set, but you have this label. And this marketing mm-hmm. of like a good music person, and you can only do those, and you're only getting booked for that shit. It's like being typecasted as like an actor, where like, yo, I was a fucking cop in this movie, and I like my whole career is just playing cops. But that's why you got to do those certain parties like once a month. My, I know, I know that, I know that. But that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. That's yeah. the scary shit about to me is DJing the shit that I want to play. Because in the end, it's like, I will get fucking sick of it. Yo, my man does a hip-hop party, and the way they spice it up is they do all the crowd favorites, and it's like, it's like more 90s and boom-bap and shit. But every month, they, they, they highlight either a different artist or producer. So it'll be like classic material, and then this month will be Gangstar. The power hours, like Gangstar joints. And the next month is like Large Pro, and then the next month is like Fuji's or like whoever had like a big enough catalog. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps it fresh. So people come and they know they're going to like party. But mm-hmm. again, it sticks to building that crowd. If from the beginning, if you stick to a diverse playlist instead of like, yo, these are the 300 songs that are probably going to like work, people are going to come expecting that. But right out the gate, if you're like, yo, man, I want you to go wild every night, they're gonna, those people are going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I would rather see you guys do that and fail and at least try it, then be like, new Travis Scott again this weekend. I mean, we, we <laughs> talked, we actually talked about like, uh, we actually talked about us doing like a monthly somewhere where we would just free do whatever the do fuck what we want. Because when you put that flag up, the other DJs in town would be like, yo, man, yeah. I heard you got a party where you play whatever the fuck. Can well, I come through a rocket set? Well, that was the one thing that I wanted, kind of wanted to do was that I wanted, the, the concept was that we do the podcast and whoever came down. Obviously, if we had a budget, we weren't doing this for free, and it was like, you know, whatever. But in, in an ideal world, and I don't know if I should be posting this idea out there, but... I'm just going to bleep Shut everything up. out right <laughs> here. Bleep! If I, let's say it. Do you remember we threw that new party where we had... Uh, the alcoholics? We brought in Riz. Oh, Riz. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we had the after party in the side room at Jet. 
Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how fucking ill that after party was? And the recording got messed up, but we couldn't use it. It was Riz and Eclipse. That was my birthday. And it was all uh, DJs. And I was pissed because that was, was like one of the best sets. I it was all Riz DJs. Was but I remember talking to Riz going, fam, I've been making edits and ripping vinyl for like 30 days getting ready for this. And they fucking murdered it. And it was all DJs. Um, Spider was there and all these dudes were there. And I just remember we were all in there getting bucked. And like, that party needs to happen more often. Yo, Riz destroyed. That it was, was like one of the. It was yeah. probably I would say the top three sets of my life yeah. that I've ever heard in my life. This was at all of y'all. This was at Jet. This was at Jet. This at the side yeah. room. Shout at Jet. out for that yeah. sign. It was money. your birthday. It was my birthday. <laughs> yeah, the room oh when God. you used to walk in where that bar is now. It's like it was like to the. To yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was Sorry, fucking. It was packed in there. It was fucking insane. It was just all DJs. It was all dicks. They were like playing. Just oh, like, there was they were no playing. No Yo, females in there. Oh, the girls were coming in and we didn't even care because they were playing like fucking Afro raw tracks and like funk like samples and doing doubles and we were just like jerking off. It was Riz and um Eclipse. Eclipse, exactly. Yeah, fucking mm-hmm. nuts. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. It was really But, insane. like, I want people, We that's what we need right now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to hear your Nicki Minaj, Rihanna, Beyonce, Diva tribute night. I need to hear your South Soul versus fucking West End night. See, but the mm-hmm. funny thing is back then when we had those when we had those nights and we did it, it was like, yo, this is fucking crazy. This is one of those epic nights. It was fun. And we're hearing good music. Yeah. If we did that now, it'd be like, yo, this is like a fucking old man party. You know what I'm saying? I'm here for the music. But like, you feel me, right? I feel what you're saying. Yeah. You you, you know what I'm saying? There's that stigma of you guys. Nah. Like, you guys are stuck in that uh, era. Yeah, yeah. When, so, when 10 years ago or like fu- whatever, it was it was cool. way different. But a lot of hipsters like the old music now, fuck too. Hi- fuck hipsters. Yo. Yeah, out of your mind. Bro. We did. So when I went to, I shot the Chosen Few Picnic in Chicago. They had an after party Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was like a different format. And Sunday night was an Afro house party. Mm-hmm. It was Wakanda in that bitch. There were people. <laughs> I got. There's people with no shoes and socks on, with like girls with shaved heads, just getting it. But it was like one of those things where it was older crowd. They were there for the music. Mm-hmm. They didn't give a fuck about the tech and the lights and stuff. Like they were just getting it. Yeah. And and it's just pulling that crowd. It's like, oh, yo, we haven't talked to this dude in a while. He comes out. Yo, get your girl. Like, you know what I mean? Just once, and you can change the theme. Like you can keep it fresh. Like however you want to flip it. But like. It's it's basically a waste for you guys to have that much musical knowledge and skill to just be like, yo, I'm gonna run doubles on this fucking antidote track. Like, who fucking care? Like, cool. <laughs> Becky from Idaho loves it, but it's like Becky from Idaho is out here. You man. guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shout out Crooked, Crooked, you and Rocktacon mm-hmm. were the two DJs I remember br- that we brought in that totally changed the way I looked at DJing. Because what happened was some of the cats were heavy on the edits, so we had like Kevin Scott. And dudes from DMS that were like, I don't even know what the fuck that. This is when like party breaks were happening, yeah, like yeah. Fat Man Scoop and shit like that. And I was like, I don't know what these songs are. Like, where did you get the guy yelling on the song? And we're like, fucking writing down like fucking the lyrics, right? You guys played all the songs that we all played. You just played them different. You'd bring in Billy Jean like at the fucking end and do a thing, and I was like, oh, f- that's so fucking obvious. How did I not think of that? Oh, this is Bobby Brown, but this is the twelve inch, and I got the fucking long drums at the beginning. And remember the time. I rem- I remember songs. You guys played Rock and Combo the same way. He'd bring songs in all fucking weird for more effect. Mm-hmm. It's like a waste of musical knowledge to just be like, ah, let's play all this shit. It's got eight bars, like whatever. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even remember. I remember any of, any of dude. Those I remember sets, sets <laughs> and just stand there going like, 
I don't. I he literally played what I played last Friday, and I look like a herb now because like he <laughs> played it all. It was like Iron Chef. Like we all got the same ingredients, and I made like an omelet, and you made like fucking I don't know what, and I'm like, like sorry, plate. sorry, staff. Like I, don't know. I didn't realize you made a, you made I sucked. A, a lobster omelet. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't compare to like. Cooking I mean, quiche. I mean, like yo, like when you say Rockticon, Rockticon was one of those dudes that actually like changed the way I think of DJing. And there's a, like there's a, Riz is another dude, AM, Jeff. There's a, like a lot of, you know, there's so many DJs in New York. Like, but there's like kids that come Eric out and see you guys, like Eric LePoe. And I go, I go, yo, you guys are ill. And there's some kid that's like, oh, I went and saw him. It was she was I, right. she was I. Right. But they mm-hmm. need to come see you when you're fucking doing you. That's the party. Just do you. And I want to be like, yo, I didn't even know what boogie was. And your man just played an hour boogie, and I need to go home and get on a boogie Spotify playlist because I love it. Seeing Adam 12's party in LA, mm-hmm. I was like, what? You just play disco for four hours? Motherfuckers Is in your Is he still doing that party? Every week. It's crazy. I danced. I always wanted I to check danced, it out, but I'm never in LA on it. I danced next a to a girl in, with an afro and a gold dress on roller skates. And I said, oh, I was dancing next. He goes, that was pussy control. <sighs> the pussy control was roller skating around the fucking party. And he's just in there slapping fucking Shirelle songs and fucking wow. Alita That's Holloway amazing. records. And I'm like, Dude, you, you know what's an East Coast version of that is uh, Eli Escobar. Tiki Disco? Yeah. I've never been to that party but either. But I was, it looks so fucking... You it know out. what, like, when I see Eli Escobar's life, actually, like, big shout out to Eli. Uh, uh, he fucking... He actually... Um, he's from my building. I got to get him on this podcast. But, like, dude, this dude DJs and produces for himself. And people love it and they love him. It's insane. And it's, I'm so jealous, but I'm also like so scared. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what kind of realm of thinking that is. You know what I mean? It's fucking wow. insane. It's good. It's, it's pretty dope though. When I see like his Instagram and what he does and like all that shit, even when I talk to him and stuff, and I've heard stories where he's turned down production deals with like big artists because he just doesn't like them. Sometimes too, though, it's not even about seeing someone and going, that dude's on some other shit. That girl's on some other shit. That scares me, whatever. It's more going, I can't do that. Your brain works in a weird way, but I got to tell everyone I know. Like, that's my other thing. I think there's a lot of times when DJs are like, I'm trying to hold on to like all the shit I got, whatever. But now I'm just like, you know who you should book? Don't even book me. Book that person. Mm-hmm. That person is a better look. That person's crazy. And I love doing that because then they go, yo, thank you for the recommendation. They have a perfect fit. And then that person's <laughs> like, yo, man. That was a good look because there's people all over the world that are all good at different shit. And I'm more like, like, yo, so it's a retreat. We did a DJ city podcast, like uh, live stream, like boiler room style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We booked Jubilee uh, day, DJ day. Kenny dope did 45s. Natasha dig did 45s scratch bastard. Mm-hmm. Some great DJs, but they all did them. You know, and it's one yeah. of those things. It's like, it's not like a Swiss Army knife. I'm more like, oh, you want XYZ? Yo, fucking, you need to call that girl right there because she got those crates. I'm not the person. Mm-hmm. And you got to know when to do that. So it's like, if Ellie's that dude, you got to be like, yo, man, you should just book Ellie. If you booked him, he's dope. And it's a good way to reconnect. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. God damn it, Zimmy. I want, you to listen. <laughs> I, like, I want you to listen to a set of yours from like 10 years ago and just listen to it and go, fuck. You know who I want to check out? You mentioned her name, um, Natasha Diggs. Tasha she Dix. does all 45s, right? 45, she's part I've of I've seen, like, videos of her, and she's, like... Yeah. Songs, shit she playing is, like, fucking... Mobile Monday's dope. crew, she does Soul in the Horn every Friday, and uh-huh. they get guests, so she'll have, like, big, big, like, 
Lord Finesse and people come through yeah. and like guests in New York. But it's mm-hmm. like, that's a whole lane where you, you got to figure out what you love and be like, yo, man, I just want to be known as like the cat that does boom that. And then, mm-hmm. and then the like-minded people flock to you. And next thing you know, you're just happy. You're just like, yo, I just play fucking 45s and I'm mad happy, mm-hmm. which is what I want to do. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, I got a DJ in a bikini because <laughs> I have to, because I got rent, you know? <laughs> Uh, D. <laughs> Speaking of bikinis, <laughs> I, got a, I got a DJ in compression pants because I got this rent. So, um, what do you call it? As far as this documentary you're working on, please keep us updated. Yeah. Uh, I think fingers it, crossed in like the next sixty days, I'll have some news and I can at least slide you guys. Like my ideal is we make it, it comes out, and then I can reach out to yeah. guys like you and say, "Oh, we're doing like they did with the AM doc. We're doing a release party in mm-hmm. all these different cities, mm-hmm. bringing DJs out because that's so fun. Like, let's go, I'll go watch the movie on some homie shit. Yeah, do a little Q and A, and let's have a fucking party and bring the local talent out to be like, "Yo, do what the fuck you want for like an hour, man. Just like let's just have the, a good night." The AM doc uh, premiere in LA was dope as fuck. Yeah, like Vice playing and then you have fashion jumping on and an eight track out of nowhere and it was mad fun did yeah. any of you guys go to the uh am tribute thing at the avalon when am got out of the hospital i didn't no, go to that no. I, I remember that but like that was like Mixmaster mike was there and i was standing next i was literally standing between rick ross and macy gray like people just came out wow. and mm-hmm. djs like cut chemist played like uh, people were just playing like wild shit and, like the vibe was like oh yeah that's where uh, am said i used to jerk off to Mixmaster mike's uh videos or oh he like was that. djing am just came out and went and like ran back off the stage like. yeah <laughs> but like, like dope. the homie shit like keep the homie shit like you know other people and there are people out there that are looking for music that and, they're looking to you guys like like yo f- i follow your spotify playlist of like people that you recommend and it's weird but you talk to them and they, like my radio show i don't have a ton of followers but i get people that go yo the fonte song you play was crazy how's that album and i go oh the whole album's good or ah that sucks but get this remix like whatever so mm-hmm. it's like you just they're there you just gotta like foster that you yeah, know yeah. growth mm-hmm. like vegas has people that like want to come out and hear you guys do you you know the one thing that i'm actually hearing from you that i actually uh, i really never really thought about and i gotta start doing and i gotta start uh changing is that i gotta start getting uh out of my element like i feel like you know we all of us we go to the same nightclubs and we go listen to the same djs and in the same rooms we got to get out of that yeah and then we just gotta go in a different room hear different djs and really like because honestly man i never go downtown i love yo. i go to downtown when i grand funk was there not long ago at commonwealth it was fucking fun and then yeah but it's like i just go down there because it's like a different world from what i'm used to in the strip see but like i've been downtown and never can you know he can chime in on this too because like sometimes i feel when i go to a downtown like bar it's, I'm hearing the same shit I hear in a, in a, in a Vegas in the strip, clubs. You know, you, I mean? you yeah. gotta have a tour guide. Like basically, there's certain parties. It's downtown is big on monthlies, so you might go to Velveteen Rabbit one night and it's like whatever. But then one night it's like, oh no, the local drum and bass crew does like a party. So yeah, you just yeah. kind of gotta know like where to go and. So wait, go. when are you doing cricket tonight? Pause tonight. <laughs> pause. Know, maybe cricket's not really pause. Let's just let's just clarify. I'm DJing cricket's party tonight. <laughs> maybe I mean I don't know what you guys are doing tonight. I mean, let's, maybe, do, let's do it. Let's I mean, dude, Ease is Ease is down there. He's like young MA yeah, DJ, like Rebel he's dude. Like mm-hmm. yeah, he's he lives here, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. But other thing is too, like you're a DJ. Young MA's DJ is, lives out here. Yeah. Young he's made the yo, rapper? he was at the yeah. retreat. He's a fucking beast. Yeah. Really? He, the other thing is, like, you guys are DJs, and right now that doesn't necessarily live in the context of, like, 
I play at the club, come check me out. You got this podcast and you got followers, start a Spotify playlist and be like, yo, I got that fucking new Disclosure 12 inch. It's my shit. Just put it on the playlist and people still look to you for knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yo, you guys were talking about playing whatever you said. Throw a Mm -hmm. couple songs on the playlist. Throw a couple songs in the playlist. Throw a couple dance hall songs in the playlist. So people that follow you now are like, yo, I'm learning about all this other music. I thought you guys just played Turn Up. Damn. It's man. so easy. It's so easy, but like the pe- like I said, the people that hit me up for music, they come back and they go, Oh, yo, those three things you gave me were real good. What else you got? I'm like, oh, the fucking push a T. You like you like fucking that kind of rap? I can get that. Like, and you just give them a couple. You like you like Shaka Khan? I got a couple records for you. Mm-hmm. That's it. God damn it. It's fucking amazing. free. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why Jazzy wants you on the road. I'm yeah. just, I just try to get people out of their element and be like, you know, that, white, that white boy hustle. Yeah. <laughs> that white. It's me crazy. I need that. Need that white boy hustle. That shit, man. Inspiring and shit. Fuck you. Need that white boy hustle. By the way, I, I, I'm just going to give you props on your on your logo. It's pretty dope. The, oh, thank you. The fingers and shit like that. Yeah, it's just a yeah. dope logo. Zimmy's always been a creative motherfucker, man. Yeah, a little yeah. odd, like the odd, the odd guy, but kind mm-hmm. of like you know. I'll tell you another crooked story. So we're sitting at the bar <laughs> oh. one night. Wait, after is the this gig. the one he almost got punched? I was there that night. I listened <laughs> to that podcast. I was actually remember that, but then you guys disappeared because I think you went to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Okay, we're sitting at the bar and we had, we had DJed a couple times, like so we knew Crooked, but he was still kind of fucking with me because if you don't know Crooked, he's kind of like he'll fuck with you. And it was the end of the night, and I think again he had that like two bottles of Belvedere or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I came over and sat down. And he goes, "Dude, I just don't get you. Like, you're DJing at the club, but you're doing some yoga, and then you go shoot a deer, but then you fucking go hiking in the woods, and then you go eat a fucking sandwich. Like, you like went through all these like opposite things, but then you don't drink, but then your girl's hot, but then the, like it was like this, and then the opposite the of that. Like, and the not typical <laughs> DJ because everyone else was like a DJ. I get schwammered and I fucked that girl. Like that was the gig, and I was like kind of a different guy. And he goes, "What's up?" And I like didn't have a fucking answer. I'm like, "Ah, sorry, I don't know." But I just remember <laughs> that, like, just being like, "Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but that's cool." Like, whatever. Like, don't be the stereotypical like. I mean, you're extremely cerebral. You know what I mean. And uh, and you're very and I think I was I you were like in Pittsburgh you stood out a lot, but I but I feel like you know Portland made sense to me obviously, <laughs> but you've always been like you know a unique dude man. I mean and I think know. I was the only DJ I knew that didn't drink for like ten years yeah, until yeah. I met a couple other guys who I think had gone to like rehab, mm-hmm. but I would be the only guy like I'm at the club I'm the only sober one and I'm just like, it's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, it sucks being the sober dude watching a bunch of fucking people get wrecked. It's up. actually fun. <laughs> oh, the amount of times that I was like, yo, man, give me eight shots and one water. And Marcus would be like, here you go. And I'd be like, yo, guys, fucking yeah. And everyone's like throwing it back. And I'm just like, water and fucking DJing some more. That's foul. <laughs> 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 On their tab, like a $10 shot. Yeah. Fuck, man. I mean, the shit you're doing right now and you've always done is, is great. And, uh, and uh, like we're looking forward to the documentary. Uh, thank keep, you. Keep man. us updated sure on the, yeah. the Jazzy Jeff and how that's going and everything. And uh, you guys got to keep me updated on your shit too. Like I'm, yeah, when yeah. I come back, I want to see, I want to see the shit. Oh, yeah. I got one question for you. Are you still doing your mixtape series? Uh, yeah. So uh, you got the grill this year, Fourth of July. Every year I do a like a barbecue mix. Oh, yes, I don't right. really know. How that that shit? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's a barbecue mix, but it's like you got the grill. 
yeah. You Gots to Grill, which is obviously, if you listen to hip hop, a play on You Gots to Chill, which if you don't know that shit, look it up. Um, I, I always just like cookout vibes. Like, you yeah. go to the party mm-hmm. and there's like Frankie Beverly, but then there's like fucking. I went to bite your shit because I was. Cause I like. <laughs> I love the mitch tapes. You put like all the old school R and B joints on. Yo, there. but you know you slide in some new joints, yeah, like yeah. some mm-hmm. like low rider shit yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So this year we did the tenth anniversary. I put it on Fourth of July, and, and I actually launched a mini site, yougutstogirl dot com, and you can stream and download all of them. And mm-hmm. I just you know I like the uh, uh, there was an aspect of hip hop that was really fun for yeah. a long time. Like mm-hmm. you put some shit on, it was a good time, or mm-hmm. at least it was like not super aggressive. Right. Yeah. So I kind of like. You know, and I like sample-based hip-hop, so there's, con- like, you know, you got a Kanye song, but it samples the staple singers, and I like the staple singers, so, like, let's get all that on there and whatever, so it's just kind of a good mix of that, yeah. and people people react well to it. I think, you know, a lot of times we're having the cookout, and people are throwing on Turn Up, and I'm like, there's, like, kids here and <laughs> old people, and you're just, like, banging fucking, you know, whatever. I'm like, can we calm down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Like, how many times you go to a pool party, and you're like, oh, it'd be great for some disco, and they're playing, like... EDM on fucking 11 and you're just like gee yeah. can I get a Shaka Khan song please mm-hmm. I always love the Miami vibes the Miami pool vibes how is that I'm it's just always like you know like oh like the um, the house like the chill yeah, house yeah, music yeah, yeah. it's fucking yeah. dope man yeah. but I mean Zimmy thank you for coming through man thank you for having me thank thanks you, a lot Zim. thank you for what you do <laughs> fucking up our minds <laughs> shit <laughs> let's get out there guys <laughs>